Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Recorded live. Hoaxbusters call. Join the discussion by dialing 724-4744. Call ID 90337. Hey, what's up? What's going on, everybody? Yeah. It is Monday, the 30th of March, the year 2015. Uh, and it's Hoaxbusters call right now, so, uh, drop whatever it is you're doing, turn up your internet-enabled device, talk about stuff here, I don't think anybody talks about, and, uh, yeah, that's what's gonna happen here. Um, check this out. A truism that everyone can't be everywhere at the same time applies particularly to atomic tests. It is impossible for all of us to be on hand at the test site or all of us to ride in the dropped plane or for any of us to be at ground zero at H hour. But there is a way to solve this problem, and that is with photography. A camera can take us into the very interior of a nuclear weapon as the weaponeer makes final preparations for detonation. It shows us ground zero as it appears from 25,000 feet on the final bomb run. It slows down the split-second birth of a nuclear blast so that we can apply a tape measure to it. Oh, yeah. We can apply a tape measure to it. And it's pretty darn big. It's pretty darn scary. Of course, you got to take our word for it and believe our movies when we tell you it's real. So that's from the Atomic Filmmakers documentary. If you haven't watched that, it's good to check out. Uh, Read between the lines because it's obviously some kind of... It's a limited hangout, I guess you would refer to it as. But uh, it goes into how... Oh, well, we have this uh, movie studio up in uh, Laurel Canyon... And if it's it's a one-of-a-kind full production studio or, you know, you can go from conception to finished product in-house. 
with complete with all the trappings of a studio that you would want courtesy of the Air Force and uh, that's where all the footage came from to scare you senseless about nuke bombs but I'm in remiss in the roll call here so I'll read out who's here right now we got Aberato Alice Salt Per Day Del Qua Happy Horseshit Java Ring Jimmy Boy uh, Nigger Puke Rabbi Dan mm-hmm. um Nature Never Lies, Steve C, Talk Shoe Monitor, Safe, Virons, and Wade57. Good to have y'all here. And, uh, live. That's right. Let's see. And then there's a quote. Gotta keep procedure here. Uh,. Someone asked me the other day if I believe in conspiracies. Well, sure, here's one. It's called the political system. It is nothing if not a giant conspiracy to rob, trick, and subjugate the population. This guy, Jeffrey Tucker, said that. He's kind of an interesting dude. He, uh... I say dude in the proper sense of the word because he dresses like a like a like a dandy boy he's got his bow tie and he's always sharply dressed and I've seen him on a couple of videos and stuff and uh, he talks libertarian talk and whatnot but that's a really good quote because I think that's true enough um, yeah, the conspiracy, where is it? It's like the, uh, dishwashing soap commercial back a long time ago. Or it was on TV when I was a kid. So, said, well, you're soaking in it. Asking about, what? what's this? It's this great product that I hear about, or whatever it happens to be. But yeah, you you're not aware that you're you're not aware that you're soaking in it because that's what you're doing. It's a it's a conspiracy to defraud you, to trick you, to take your resources, to take your energies, to absorb it up into this thing called. Uh, uh, the state or the government or whatever you want to call it. It's just certain people in the population that identify themselves as government agents or government or police or healthcare workers. or And they purport to be there for your safety and for everybody's safety and well-being and that's what they do and and you really need to do what they say because they're here to help 
Um, yeah, I I personally have a problem with that. I don't think they're here to help. I don't I don't think that they're here to serve as public servants because that's what they're supposed to be, but that's not what they do. They have authority or perceived authority, but on the other hand, they don't have any accountability. Uh, just an example, they can come in and inspect whatever work you did on your house, let's say, did some electrical work or something. Oh, yeah, you got to get a permit for that. Okay, what's going to happen? Well, they could come out and inspect your work to check and make sure it's safe. And then uh, sign off on it. Okay, you're good to go with the city. But here's a story where... Uh, well, how old was I? About 15 years old. Back in the 1980s. I'm mowing the lawn. The weeds are kind of high around the telephone pole. Actually, it wasn't a telephone pole. It was just a, a pole set up for the electric. And when I went in between the pole and the house... Um, I heard this clunk, you know, like the lawnmower hit something and about stopped the blade. And I turned the lawnmower off and I looked and I had sliced through the uh, 220 line going into the house that was feeding into the washer and dryer system and all that. And uh, I cut through every wire except for like the last one. And the guy that later came out and fixed it, he said, he told my mother, he said, that if he would have hit that last wire, he would probably not be here. <laughs> and I don't know. I would have at least got a hell of a shot. 220 is a lot of juice. And the lawnmower didn't have any kind of insulation on the handle. It was just straight metal between me and electrons going crazy uh but you know the point is the inspector which is you know so important to come out and inspect you know stuff like that contractor work you know and all that they signed off on it and they said oh it's fine but it, yeah it's not supposed to be sitting on top of the ground for that very specific reason obviously but uh yeah i guess i became i came within 16th of an inch of getting electrocuted but um but here's the deal i mean would the inspector be responsible at that point would he have to suffer any repercussions or does the inspector, the, you know, the city-appointed in inspector, do they, uh, are they on the hook for your house if they sign off on some contract work that you had done by somebody and they come and they do the contract work on your house and the inspector comes and he says, oh, it's all good, yeah, signs off on it. Maybe he knows the guy because a lot of that goes on with your city officials and your, you know, your construction people, all that. 
and they sign off and then your house burns down maybe it uh you know destroys some of your property maybe one of your family members are injured or hurt critically or something like that are they on the hook now i'm sorry that was ultimately your responsibility is what they'll tell you but no they're seldom on the hook for anything but they reserve this position of authority to be all up in your business which is a funny thing quite an interesting set of circumstances we got going on here with this thing called the government and as y'all know i've been trying to call the cdc i got something in the works trying to call them up again maybe i'm going to use a little uh trickery or something i don't know to get through to them to get them to answer a couple of pointed questions about uh of vaccines and vaccine liability and all that and uh they you know refuse to turn my return my calls they refuse to answer those questions i have a video posted up at uh my youtube channel which you can access through hoaxbusterscall.com the links at the top to my youtube channel and all that <clears throat> call to the cdc and it's kind of tedious because i i just strung together all the bureaucratic runaround and then uh i tried calling the top guy at the cdc i tried calling his home and i just let him know hey nobody's answering my questions i can't dialogue with anybody there's a breakdown in communication here. Just letting you know, Tom, that uh, your shit's fucked up. Okay. Um, did they call me? No. I had his secretary lady or whoever it was on the phone tell me how inappropriate that was. And, uh... Oh, so it's inappropriate to try to contact the guy at his house but it's not inappropriate uh, it's for to undergo bureaucratic stonewalling and not and have this all this authority around without accountability like they can't answer a couple of questions i mean how hard are the questions i mean what are the questions well the main question i wanted to ask is okay so the vaccine manufacturers they can't be sued um, because they have civil tort immunity from from lawsuits. You have to go through a thing called the vaccine courts. The vaccine courts are funded through a tax that the federal government puts on the, each vaccine at a rate of 75 cents per vaccine. And that goes into a, uh, a fund. And the fund is presided over by the same people who have investments in vaccines. This is pretty interesting and conflict of interest, obviously. And uh, But you end up, if your child is vaccine damaged, you get some chicken feed settlement. And that's that. You can't sue the manufacturer. Like every other corporation and company on the planet is open to lawsuits if they put out let's say a product that uh you know it, it's let's say it you know oh i don't know for example a car that it freaking explodes or something like uh if it if you 
you know, there, there's been instances of that where a car is like, wow, wow, they explode like hell. I mean, they're touchy. What was it like the Pinto? I mean, Pinto or something like that. That, that, that was like a, that was like a rolling IED, man, improvised explosive device. That thing would just, you get tapped on the bumper and the thing would just erupt into a fireball. And, uh, there was some high profile, oh, incidents of that happening. It happened, uh, probably more often than they let on. Thing was a rolling death trap. Uh, some people sued Ford Motor Company and won pretty substantial lawsuits. They had to recall some vehicles. I mean, that's kind of the process, right? I mean... But no, not with vaccines. And then if you read into the lawsuit, not the lawsuit, but the Supreme Court hearing about this whole thing with the vaccine courts and all that, the vaccine courts themselves claim that the product is what they said, um, unavoidably unsafe. (laughs) It's unavoidably unsafe. In other words, like, yeah, I mean, no matter what you do, you can't avoid it. This is going to kill people. This is going to cripple people. This is going to, you know, it's bad mojo here. And we just can't be on the hook for it because uh, we would be sued out of business. And so they go, okay, well, we'll set up this special little circumstance for you to to shield you from liability and lawsuits. And... uh Wow, that's just astounding. It's absolutely astounding. But the CDC doesn't want to answer questions about it because what I what I wanted to ask them is that okay, since the vaccine manufacturers have liability, and the CDC is trying to get everybody, hey, everybody, take your shot. You know, it's the right thing to do. No risk, by the way. The risk is so minimal, there's nothing to worry about, very minimal risk. So, if it's so minimal of a risk, why do the manufacturers don't want to be open to an actual lawsuits? It's, it's, they're not going to get sued if nobody's going to get hurt. Well... How many claims have there been against the vaccine court so far? Oh, thousands. And thousands of taxpayer dollars have been paid out to the victims of these vaccines, but uh, and uh, you know, damage is awarded for cases of autism. I bet you didn't know that. Yeah, cases of autism recognized as being uh, attributed to the vaccine. So there you go. On one level, it's admitted to, but. Uh, yeah, so the authorities that we defer to so often, and most people more often than not, they're largely unaccountable for what they do. And this extends now to, you know, manufacturers and all that. So, so I see the CDC want to ask them, like, okay, wouldn't it set these people's mind at ease since this is becoming a public health issue of up team up utmost importance with uh you know this alleged outbreak and disneyland and all this other nonsense okay so 
wouldn't it wouldn't it would be uh, an ideal course of action for the CDC to take to maybe put some pressure on the vaccine manufacturers and say, hey, you know, if you opened yourself up to uh, lawsuits, that would go a long way in easing people's minds, setting people's minds at ease, saying, hey, our products are safe. You know, we did have legal immunity, but we've thought this over. You know, we've improved our formula. It's new and improved. And now we just want to let everybody know that, you know, if something happens, you can sue us. So, you know, take your shot. I mean, wouldn't that be a, a course of action to take? You know, just to set everybody's mind at ease. I mean, that's what I wanted to ask the CDC, but they don't want to answer. They don't think that they don't think that's a a question they want to answer. But um yeah, so I'm supposed to take uh I don't have children, but if I had children, I'm I was I'm supposed to take them and load them up with stuff from a company that uh is shielded from any liability if anything goes wrong. Oh. Doesn't sound doesn't sound like a good idea to me at all but yeah the uh, yeah this political system itself is a giant conspiracy to rob trick and subjugate the population and what else is that except for just flat out I mean you got these people out there that have uh, an investment in these pharmaceutical stocks and all this stuff that serve on these courts, that serve in the system. They're totally bought off and paid for, like right out in the open with their conflict of interest and all that. I mean, and they just go forward. And I... I guess the reason why I've been talking about this so much lately with the vaccine thing is like all this talk out there. And I just heard from my sister today earlier that, oh, yeah, they're talking about where you can't get a waiver anymore, that you can't homeschool anymore, that they're going to make it like mandatory now. Mandatory, like you can't get around it. And uh, is that what's going to happen? That's pretty crazy. That's actually quite insane. I mean, at what point do you stop calling it a free country when you have to be forced to be shot up with, oh, what is it, monkey pus, mercury, aluminum? There's a shit ton of aluminum in them now, they say. Uh, it's not good for you, by the way. Let's let you know. Um, uh, human diploid cells. Just God knows what else in those things. Formaldehyde. Ethylene glycol. Same stuff you put in your radiator to keep your car from freezing. That's in there. Why it's in there, I, I, I it's... 
Why you, a better question is why would you put that in your body? Why would you put that in an infant's body? But um Yeah, that's a pretty big conspiracy right there. And uh people do it. And they don't ask the question. And it's all at the behest of uh this thing called government and them telling you what to do and them telling you what's safe and them you know, now proposing to make this mandatory. So, uh, yeah, I really hope not. I really do hope not. I really don't hope it becomes mandatory. Um, but who knows? Yeah, there's a lot of uncertainty I was talking about last time with uh, police brutality and all of that and uh, you know I do believe it goes on I don't have a hard time believing it I've just talked to too many people and I've seen some stuff myself personally I've had my own personal incidences uh, never really had the holy hell beat out of me with an inch of my life. But, um, I definitely see where there's this attitude among the police and among, like, healthcare workers and people that you run, run into. Like, if you're telling them, yeah, I'm gonna, I want the waiver form. It's like they see themselves as like an authority. And if they're telling you like to do something, you should do something and you're telling them like, oh, well, yeah, I have my own thoughts on that. Thank you. You know, it's like they get taken aback. Like, oh, like, what is this person doing? They're questioning my authority. How, how, how dare you do that? And, uh, because I, I gather from that that most people comply. So when they get some pushback, it's, it's, it's a new thing. And they react to you, you know, like they feel like they're put out, like they feel like you've dishonored their status. And, And like I've demonstrated in these calls I made to like cops and stuff, you know, there you go. It's like, um, and I think it's demonstrated quite well. It's like, yeah, you know, we'll go ahead and do something and we're going to tell you to do something and you need to go ahead and do it. And, you know, whatever order we're giving out, it doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, to get you to comply with a certain law. It's just about doing what we tell you. Because we're the cops. And you just need to do it. And then like that woman I called about. Um, you know they threw this guy out of a public building. And he was all he was doing is filming. He was trying to get some public records or something. And. He wanted to film the process, and he wanted to document it, and 
that was not going to be permitted because, as they told them, they had a policy, and that was against their policy. They didn't say it was against the law. They said, we, we, you know, we just have a policy here. So what is a policy? Well, from what I understand, it's just something that, like, you know, they decide upon, like, well, this is the way it's going to be done here. But the question is, is that a law? Well, policy is not necessarily a law. So that's what I was trying to get to the bottom out with her. I was like, well, okay, you say that's a, pol you say that's a policy. You're like, who made that policy? But, you know, does that have the force of law? In other words, can you, you know, arrest the guy or take some kind of any kind of action against the guy? Now, they told him they were going to escort him out of the building. But, um, okay, ha so what does that exactly mean, escort me? So we're going to go, we're going to lock arms, like at a ballroom dance, and we're going to go doop-de-doop, and we're going to go out the building, like an escort, like you see in these fancy hotels and shit, where they, the woman's wearing like a, a mink stall, and the doorman's escorting her out, all fancy and fun and everything. No, they're going to force your ass out. They're going to force you. They're going to come and, like, put their hand on you, which is, under any other context, is um, a, a battery? Yeah, it's battery. Just, if you, you touch somebody, you go and put, let's say you're having a talk with somebody, and you go lay your hand on them to, like, um, because you want to, you know, make it clear, get your point across to them, like, okay, I want you to know that I'm serious here, and you go lay, that's, that's battery. Now, if somebody would call the police on you, they'd come and haul you off, put you in the cooler for battery. But they do it. And they call it, oh, it's we're escorting you out. So, and the lady, you know, explained to me, like, okay, if he's being combative. So I assume that she's talking about once they initiate this escorting, however they define it, which means, you know, to physically, okay, put their hands on you and start to, you know, move you into the direction of the door to get you out. And if you become combative, then you get the charge of, you know, resisting a police officer or something like that. No law. There's no law that says you can't film. He wasn't breaking any law. Just you know, if he would have stood there and said, "Well, I'd rather film." Well, see, what I'm getting at is that I, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I, I, this has always been the case to one degree or another, I'm sure. But I think it's more the case now where, um, what what it seems to be doing with the police and uh, the people that work in these agencies and stuff, and even like healthcare workers and stuff like that, when they're talking about oh you exemption form, well we're not going to give you one like that, but you know oh it's the law, but they don't care. They won't see it's it's about authority, and then they're dispensing with this whole pretext of law. It's almost like it, that that doesn't matter anymore. The only thing that matters is authority itself. Like, there used to be, or it's in some people's minds, or a lot of, maybe a lot of people's minds, that the authority is contingent on some sort of, something that's called the law. And if, like, a, if a police officer's arresting you or something, like, you've done something against the law, you're violating a law. Well, not anymore. It's like you you get arrested for violating authority. And they're the authority, and they tell you what to do. And if you don't do it, um, 
they initiate force against you, and if you resist that force, they say, well, we're taking you to jail. Well, what am I going to jail for? I haven't done anything. You haven't even told me. Well, resisting. And then I read in the paper. I mean, there's oh, it's in there every time I read it. I, I quit reading the paper. I'm just sick, sick of it. They have, oh, second-degree burglary, uh, you know, um, maybe uh, an assault. It's like the police roster where they list off all the calls. You know, I guess the newspaper collects all the, you know, the, the blotter from the, the police activity from the previous night and prints it in the paper. And then you'll see resisting arrest. Well, what? Resisting arrest for what? I mean, what was the charge? But no, it just says resisting arrest. That's their charge of resisting arrest. How do you have a charge of resisting arrest? Now, whether you're in a high-speed chase, you're running from the police, you're how how's your how is the sole charge resisting arrest? Resisting arrest for what? For drug smuggling? Well, you would put drugs arrested for drug smuggling, right? Like, you don't put the main... But no, that's like, you could read... It's probably the same with your paper, too. It's like, oh, arrested for resisting arrest. Well, what they're really talking about is somebody violated, uh, like Mark Stevens will say, contempt of cop. That's the charge. You resisted. The cop told you to do something, and you didn't do it. Doesn't matter if it's law, so-called law. The law, for one thing, I'll make this clear is a scam to begin with. And that's, you know, that's what, you know, gets us to this point where we're so deluded that we just automatically obey all these people in these magical suits, whether it be a white lab coat or uh, a police uniform or, or, or whatever it happens to be. If it's a symbol and trapping and baubles of authority, we automatically acquiesce to it because that's the way we're conditioned to train. But um, it seems like now, or maybe it's not a new thing, I don't know, but they're ditching this idea of law. Like, what, because, you know, you see these, you see these YouTube videos where people have, you know, videotaped their encounters with police. And it's like, well, what law have I broke? Well, you're resisting. That's the law you broke. You're, you're obstructing justice or whatever obstructing obstruction because you're just not wanting to answer questions and stuff well i mean uh, you suppose well supposedly you're supposed to have you know fifth amendment and all that stuff which you know that that's always been ten uh uh, uh that's always been you know probably violated from day one obviously you know in many instances but you're supposedly supposed to have like certain you know they call constitutional right you're supposed to have constitutional rights supposedly but you know i don't believe in the constitution myself and it's not a, and it's not upon me to i don't have any evidence of anything regarding the constitution i wasn't there when the powdered wig men were alive i don't know how smart they were all i know is what um some propaganda fairy tale shit I was told in school that I tend to doubt. And that's all I have to go off of as far as governmental authority. But, you know, supposedly it was a contract and it's a social contract is what they call it. Um, I don't remember signing that myself personally. 
I didn't sign it. I don't know. How do you enter a contract without signing off on it or putting your stamp of approval on it? Oh, yeah, I want to be under all these eight bazillion laws. Sure. Let me sign up. Where do I sign up? So I want to be under so many damn laws, codes, and ordinances that any time I set foot out my house that I can be picked up by a thug in a blue uniform or a black uniform or whatever they wear now and hauled into a cold, stinky, miserable jail. Yeah, sign me up. That sounds awesome. Um, yeah, I, 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 I didn't sign up for that. Um, but it's, it's my social contract, really my social con it's, it's a social contract. I don't, I don't remember signing any contract. Sorry, but the constitution, yeah, the constitution, everybody likes to talk about it. It's the law of the land, right? And we're supposed to follow it. And you got to assert your constitutional rights. But the thing about it is, is like, aren't the cops and the judges and the courts and all those people, aren't they supposed to be, supposedly supposed to be concerned with it? Well, obviously they're not. Obviously that is now, or maybe always has been, maybe we're just becoming more aware of it now with the internet and all that. I don't, you know, uh, I, I, I don't know. It's probably always been the case to one degree or another. I think it's maybe more so now, but it's like, yeah, we're just just doing away with this whole law thing slowly but surely to the point where it's like people get conditioned to the point where they don't even want to ever even assert anything as a right or anything like that. They just do what they're told. But... um yeah, they're supposedly supposed to be concerned with it because isn't that what gives them their authority? This whole social contract BS, and then you know the laws come down, and then the Supreme Court goes through all this trouble of ruling on this crap, and then they say, "Oh yeah, you have to have a warrant to enter a house, and you have to have this and that," and they just ignore it and just go in anyway. They just ignore it and go into your car. They just do whatever they want. And then you've sorted out later in court, but that seems like the case, and in, in a lot. Of, but you know, oh yeah, I went to court and I won. I got the charges dropped because they did an illegal search and seizure. Well, did you win? Did you? How long were you in court? And how long did it take? And how much money did you spend? And did you hire an attorney? Did you not hire? Did you represent yourself? But you still had to go to court. You still had to be there, and it probably drug on for a while. And yeah, you didn't really win. Um. Yeah, but back to the quote. It's a really good quote. It's a giant conspiracy to rob, trick, and subjugate you. It's what it is. It's what government is. This is one big, fat, stinking conspiracy. Obviously. Isn't a conspiracy defined as uh, two or more people engaged in... Well, I know how... I guess I guess it's defined as an illegal act or illegal, something illegal, but I think it would be better to define it as two or more people, you know collaborating together 
to do an immoral act because you know legal and immoral or illegal and immoral or whatever those things aren't synonymous i mean possessing marijuana is illegal is it immoral no absolutely not it's not immoral i mean who who defines that i mean you can you can label a plant that grows out of the ground immoral that's ridiculous and if somebody wants to chop it up and smoke it, if somebody wants to chop it up and put it in a salad, if somebody wants to chop it up and put it in their concrete to make it stronger, like hemp concrete, or somebody wants to make a pair of jeans out of it or grow it to do whatever, shouldn't they be able to do it? But no, the government says no, So and it's illegal. And there's all these restrictions and controls on it. Because I know they sell hemp products in the States, but it's like they import it and they do all this other, they got to jump through all these different hoops. It's, it's hemp is really good though it's like really really good strong material i like to buy things made out of hemp uh a pair of pants i bought were like really nice soft pants really durable really nice to wear in the summertime or anytime they're like uh hemp pants great they're great and they outlast cotton they outlast everything but it's illegal it's it's a controlled plant But, um, yeah, there's good cops out there, Chris. You just broad brush paint every cop is bad, and you're being negative, and, like, you're, um, not supposed to be negative, and you're supposed to be happy and not say negative things. And, um, yeah, you just don't understand there's good cops. Um... I've never heard of a cop that wouldn't drag your happy ass to jail for a little bit of pot. Never heard of such a thing. I don't I don't think they exist. And separate you from your family, lock you in a cold cell, uh basically kidnap you, haul you off, put you in a cell, keep you in there for possessing a a weed that grows out of the ground. That grows from the friggin' ground. God's earth. God's creation. Like you don't... We, we got this part of God's creation restricted. <clears throat> so are you God? Well, I guess you must be. Because people certainly treat you like God. They don't question you. They question God more than they question these authorities. Which is another sick thing. It's like, yeah, don't question these authorities but um on the other hand blame everything on god but yeah uh no it's sick but it is um the conspiracy actually and um what's this guy's name again jeffrey tucker he's right he's absolutely right spot on uh, Reg says, years, years ago, read, I think part of that's cut off, but read about old court cases from 1850s, Barron versus Baltimore, said that the Constitution is for them, not us. It is not ours to assert, it is the government. 
all those in the D of C. Yeah, I've heard that too. It's like, yeah, that's you have to be a special sanctioned individual to be under the so-called Constitution, and that's the way they wrote it, which doesn't surprise me. That that may indeed be true from the get-go. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was never meant for you, but um, but it. You know, they talk like it is. The people in these courts and these judges and these attorneys and, you know, they said, oh, well, my client has had his, you know, Fourth Amendment violated, his Fifth Amendment violated, and all this and that. So they make a p appeal to it. They make lip service to it. Um... In spite of most of the stuff they do is like totally out of the boundaries of it. I mean, for crying out loud. I mean, they couldn't be further from any ideal of fairness or justice. I mean, locking people up for just not only pot, but whatever they want to do. Heroin or whatever. Oh, you got to lock somebody up. That's another. That's that's heroin's an opiate derivative. Opiate opium is another thing that grows out of the ground. But you can't do that. Should you do that? Should you shoot heroin? Probably not. It's not a good idea. Um. It is nice to have opiates on hand in case you need them, like a bad toothache or something. And you got some heroin. Oh, that'd be the best stuff. Knock that pain right out. Get you through the day. Feeling good. People used to buy it over the counter at their local pharmacy. No big deal. Buy cocaine over the counter. Put cocaine in Coca-Cola. Cocaine everywhere. Cocaine in your vein. Cocaine on the train. Cocaine on the plane. Every Everybody on cocaine. But all of a sudden it's like, oh, verboten. And then they made it against the law, and then it really exploded. And then in the eighties, with everybody doing cocaine, um, yeah. So it's the takeaway strategy. You tell people they can't have it, and then they want it. Then it turns into this whole underground culture, and then there's that is you know taken to be like really cool. But from what I understand, they legalized it in Argentina heroin or they decriminalized it excuse me and drug usage is, is dropped actually dropped overall across the board I said more teenagers are trying pot than before they did this but uh, the percentages aren't that drastically high and like okay they try it more like What's the big deal? Do most people who try it go into a lifelong love affair with it? I don't think so. So what does that mean? Oh, more kids are trying it. Well, that doesn't mean a lot of nothing. Because you have no crystal ball into the future to see what they're going to do. Make it a lifelong habit or not. You just don't know. But that's what they say. I don't know. I've never been there to Portugal. So that's what they say. 
but that to me is, you know, even though I haven't observed it firsthand, I do tend to believe it, and, and that's a lot more proof that we don't need all these laws, that we don't need it, and that all this stuff is invalid, which it is. I mean, the government and the stuff that they do and the stuff they engage in is invalid. And, uh, yeah, it's a big conspiracy. All right, Delquaw is taking off, man. Thanks for showing up, dude. I think it's really late there in Ireland. Uh, all right, what else? Bum, 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 bum. Uh, let me, well, let's see. Looking into my notes here. I know there's some stuff in my notes to talk about. Um, opened up with that little excerpt from the uh what is that what is that called oh atomic filmmakers dv uh documentary and yeah the interesting statement i snipped out of there talking about how yeah since everywhere everybody can't be everywhere at once we got to bring it to you by way of film. And that way everybody can see and believe. It's not exactly what he said, but that's basically the gist of it. Yeah, and when you think about it, like... Have you ever seen a nuke go off? Let me look in the chat, see if anybody's answering in the affirmative. Because that would be really, really interesting. No, nobody's saying yes. Uh, never seen a nuke go off myself. Um, supposedly there's a a town that's near the nuclear testing site in Nevada. And they allegedly could see the bombs going off. And I saw this in, some docu in that Atomic Filmmakers documentary, I believe. Might have been another one. I maybe get the two confused, but anyway. They could see the flashes from the atomic bomb, right? But, like, they didn't mention anything about the sound. It's like, wouldn't the sound, like, drive you crazy? I mean, wouldn't the sound, like, shake and rattle the windows and, the, and, and be just overwhelming, like, that big of an explosion? But it's like they didn't mention the sound. It was like, that was... That was really odd. But yeah, we see the bright flashes go off at night sometimes. You know they're testing the nukes out there. Yeah, really? Okay. But nothing, the sound of it, the horrendous, tremendous, ear-splitting sound of an atomic bomb going off is not worth mentioning. Okay. I thought that was really interesting, but um, where does it exist at, though, really, in actuality, 
for the overwhelming majority of people. Now, I do believe they staged viewings, and I do believe they used TNT, and I do believe they set off some pretty substantial explosions with TNT. You know, standard conventional explosives. And you can add magnesium to make a bright flash if you want, from what I understand. You can uh, configure it in such a manner that you can produce a mushroom cloud effect. Um, set it off and say, that's a nuke right there, son. Behold the power of statist authority comes in the form of a mushroom cloud and you better damn believe and you better damn obey and uh yeah ed in the chat says if no one has ever witnessed atomic bomb going off and how can we be sure one ever has I haven't seen one. I don't know of anybody who's seen one. Supposedly, there was some people who saw one. Like, special groups of people that were taken out to the desert and given a demonstration to solve. But really, where does it live? It lives inside your mind. Nowhere else. That's what I'm proposing. It, it doesn't exist. It's a fiction. Created in a Hollywood-style studio admittedly now they don't admit to completely fabricating it but they do admit to using Hollywood people in their production of the film footage of the atomic bombs and then just interestingly enough there's a movie that comes out right around that time before they started allegedly testing these things called The Thief of Baghdad let me look that up. Bum, bum, bum. Thief of Baghdad. Bag. How do you spell Baghdad? I know there's a H in there somewhere. Is there? No. Oh, spell thief wrong. Um, 1940, right? So what is the... So yeah, right around before the atomic age and it features like a genie and a lamp and if you look at some other materials that have come out produced by Walt Disney oddly enough describing atomic power and the atomic you know it's represented as a genie um but it's interesting like in this movie, The Thief of Baghdad, used some really interesting special effects technology to whoever this actor is that's playing the genie. He, they blow him up to, like, some massive size. And if you look at the images in the image search, it's got... Yeah, see, it's got the guy... I guess it's some... Some, like, teenage boy, I guess. He's the guy that finds a genie bottle and makes the genie... Sets the genie out of the bottle. But then... 
I haven't watched this film, but uh, what I'm trying to point out here is that they use special effects to take an average size man and blowing up, blow him up to gargantuan proportions in this movie, Thief of Baghdad, and this was in 1940. So this is special effects of the day and you know he's talking about this did a really good call with uh dave mcgowan of uh he's written uh, different books about um laurel canyon and all that. it was a really good call we did on the afternoon commute with john you should check that out uh so we went into a little bit about the you know how movies and these fake events are coordinated so yeah, I got a, the blog post at hoaxbusterscall.com about, um, and that and that call from earlier today is on there, by the way, with Dave McGowan. Uh, movies being coordinated with these um, so-called real events, like uh, you know the the movie MLK, its theatrical release day coincided with the. Um, uh, try to keep all these straight. So let me find this post and read from it. But uh, well, it co- coincided with a high-profile pro- court case that involved race. The, the George Zimmerman trial, or one of those. Um, let me make sure. Let me make sure. Oh, the recent. Okay. The release of this film, Selma, is the name of the film. It's about MLK getting shot, right? Uh, Select theaters, it says 1225. The release of the film was coordinated to coincide with the Michael Brown verdict. And it was just days apart. Um, And, you know, there's other examples. And I'll I'll let just anybody who's interested go on there and read this uh, posting on hoaxbusterscall.com. It's... uh, give several examples in this as media manipulation and coordination why does the news quote unquote always seem to get mixed in with fiction question mark um and there's so many more examples of this um i was talking to a friend the other day he says oh yeah what about that uh movie uh the china syndrome and in the china syndrome uh it was a movie about a nuclear meltdown at a power plant, and just so happens it was released uh, within like a few weeks of the so-called Three Mile Island disaster in uh, Pennsylvania. And in the movie, they mentioned Pennsylvania in a line in the movie about uh, Pennsylvania uh, uh, coated under a, uh, a blanket of radi- radioactive dust, or so I don't know, whatever. I haven't seen that movie, but if you look up the China Syndrome, it's in the Wikipedia entry. Well, let me look it up while I'm running my mouth here. Uh, China, China Syndrome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get this, get this. Okay. Yeah, I wanted to throw this out there because I this is just, I became aware of this recently. 
Um, oh, yeah, I wanted to read that part about... The film was uh, The China Syndrome, uh, 1979 American thriller film that tells the story of a television reporter and her cameraman who discovers safety cover-ups at a nuclear power plant. It stars Jane Fonda, Jack Lemmon, and Michael Douglas, with Douglas also serving as the film's producer. Uh, China Syndrome is a fanciful term not intended to be taken literally. That describe oh okay thank you uh, that describes a fictional worst case result of a nuclear meltdown where reactor components melt through their containment structures and into the underlying earth all the way to China. Okay yeah I know that's not literally all the way to China. Uh, the film was released on March sixteenth nineteen seventy nine twelve days before the three three mile island nuclear accident in Dolphin County Pennsylvania. Coincidentally, let me read that word again, coincidentally, in one scene, physicist Dr. Elliot Lowell, played by Donald Hutton, says that the China Syndrome would render an area the size of Pennsylvania permanently uninhabitable. So, yeah, there you go. Um... Oh... So these movies, right? And these so-called events that are supposed to be real. Or, I mean, did they really melt down a reactor? I don't think so. Um, sabotage it or whatever what, to coincide with this movie? I don't think so. Um, so, back to Thief of Baghdad. So the Thief of Baghdad. Now, is it a movie about nukes? No, but it's a movie that features something that is been used extensively to symbolize nukes and nuclear power, which is the genie. And this, remember, this came out in 1940. Okay, when was the first nuke bomb test? I should know that. Uh, first nuke bomb test. The Trinity Nuclear Test, as it says here, yeah, 19... July 16th, 1945. So they have this movie in the 1940s that come out, like, not too long before the nuclear bomb test. And just to say something here, it's like, if you look at the footage that came out of Lookout Mountain, a Hollywood-style production facility in Laurel Canyon that produced all the footage of the nuclear bomb, you look at some of that stuff, and then you look at, like, images here from, like, this movie Thief of Baghdad and stuff like that, and, I mean, to me, it's obvious what they did. I mean, they probably actually went out on scene. Maybe they even went to, uh, I think they probably did go out to, like, Bikini Atoll. They set off some dynamite, some conventional explosions. Makes a substantial explosion. Not a, not a small explosion, but, you know, a pretty decent sized conventional explosion. They take it back to the studio. They got it, they got it on some nice high format film. 
And they blow it up to all ridiculous proportions and tell you that this is the nuke, everybody. It's pretty straightforward, but go and look at that documentary, The Atomic Filmmakers. And, or you, or if you want a real good example, go to my site where, uh, and then my YouTube channel. There's a video on there, Nuke, um, uh, damn it, what's the name of my own damn video that I just posted on my damn stinking YouTube channel? Shit. Nukes, nukes are, nukes don't exist, okay? Nukes don't exist is the title, but if you watch that and you look at the explosion that I put in there at the opening and look how, look how it looks, something ain't quite right. And then it's supposedly, it's, you know, this explosion is blowing up and they have like battleships positioned around it to give you a sense of scale right but look at the way that looks and then think about these technologies they had special effects technologies to do movies like the thief of baghdad and uh how they could take an explosion and blow it up way out of proportion to what it originally was. And. Uh, like I had somebody point out. That. Um, oh yeah look at the ship. You could see the water. As it's raining down on the ship. And and going off. And it's like yeah you really can see that. And I really do think that happened. Because I really do think. That in a lot of instances. When they faked this. They set off actual explosions. And, uh, but, is that what you're really looking at? No, you're looking at special effects. So they take it pretty straightforward. I don't, I, I can't, I'm not saying that they did them all like this. I think some of them were like some, maybe some layering effects. Where it looks like they obviously are using a sunrise or a sunset. Like with some of these, like, and then they, you know, would give you some bullshit line that, oh, it's as bright as the sun. Or like, you know, basically saying just, just hype. Like this thing is so powerful, it blots out the sun. And it's so big and it's so magnificent. And, um, but they actually use the sun and then superimpose some, uh, a, a, a blowed up blowed up meaning enlarged on film uh, cloud or explosion cloud superimposed over the top with some kind of double exposure thing is what it looks like but but um, yeah um, the atomic footage came out of a studio that was admittedly staffed with Hollywood people that worked in the industry with special effects. Okay? Admitted on the record. Right there. 
but but you don't understand, man. They went out to film the footage. They went out to take the footage of the actual explosions. Okay, so you were there and you saw it, is what you're saying. No, but that's what they're saying. It's like they they. It's like why do you need Hollywood people to film something? They have journalism schools in the Navy. They have journalism schools in the Army. They have journalism schools in the Air Force. They teach you how to use a freaking camera. And then add to that the special circumstances of filming an explosion that sends shockwaves through the earth. And then you're adding something that's outside the purview of a Hollywood person because they don't set off big massive explosions, right? So you, you're entering into a field of technical expertise where what is it about a Hollywood camera person that knows about those type of things well they wouldn't that's that's special that'd be a special set of circumstances right that would need special training that would be better suited towards a specialized military training than anything else now don't tell me that you have to have some kind of hollywood specialist that's got 30 40 years in the field of film to frame an explosion and to get it in the shot how how much how much expertise does that take you point the damn thing where you want it to take the picture well they know a lot about exposure and stuff like that filming bombs why of course hollywood back then i don't think was known as it is now for explosions and all that then you might have uh, but you know of course there's films back then where it featured explosions but does that take a special high level of expertise to film an explosion? I don't, I don't think so. Not something that couldn't be done in military training. Because so here's another thing, too. The Manhattan Project and all everything around it supposedly was, and, and I believe so for a good reason, because they didn't want to let out that this shit's fake. There's a high degree of security around all of this stuff, right? So why in hell would you bring in Hollywood people that aren't even in the military to work on this stuff? If you didn't absolutely have to, unless you didn't absolutely need some real good expertise in the field of special effects. Think about that. You wouldn't you would bring in people from other industries into the Air Force to work in some super top secret facility if you didn't really actually need their expertise what is their expertise it's it's myth making oh by the way the thief of the uh, the thief of baghdad that that genie is not real okay he's not really 75 feet tall it's movie trickery it's not real it's not a real genie just in case you know I mean, I don't know. I sound like I'm being uh, really flippant there or whatever. But I, I get, I just get these stupid comments. What I'm responding to is these stupid comments that you get on YouTube sometimes. It's like, oh, well, this has got to be real. Because why? Does it have to be real? What, what, this is... 
it came out of Hollywood studio and you get people coming back insisting that it's real insisting that it's real as I just told you man they just admitted that it's from a Hollywood studio like how how do you insist that it's real uh, you know you know that for a fact were you there because that's the only way that you can really be that emphatic about it and and, and still be reasonable uh, otherwise you're just you're just grasping at smoke man uh uh let's do this You are listening to the Hoax Pastors Call. To join in, call 724-444-7444. Call ID 90337. Yeah. Well, anybody want to call in, go right ahead. The f- lines are open. We got open lines. Um, yeah, you look at the footage there, the nukes. Like in the video I posted about it, I'm pointing out that um, part of the explosion stays static throughout multiple frames. How is that even remotely possible by any stretch of the imagination at all? If you're talking about film traveling through a camera each exposure goes through individually and it's capturing the light coming from the source into the film particles silver particles on the film that the photons hit it and they change their chemistry or whatever exactly goes on but you know whatever goes on it takes place in each individual frame individually as it goes through the exposure plane um light coming from the explosion exposing multiple frames of video and then it's unchanged over multiple frames is not possible it's just not possible. Tell me how it's possible. I sent this to uh, this guy. He did a video that got a lot of traction with so-called skeptics. And so this guy is allegedly a film expert. Like he studied film. He works in film. He does videos, weddings, you name it. He's been doing it for 30 years. I, and he's, you know, debunked the moon because he, he debunked the whole moon hoax thing by just saying that, um, 
yeah, they just simply didn't have the technology to fake the moon, but the hoax, the fake the moon landing back then. Because that would have required a, a high-speed video camera, which they didn't have. And I simply ask them, why couldn't you fake it on film and then video camera the results by just setting up the camera in front of the project the projection screen? What would be so hard about that? Well, you couldn't do that because there'd be dust on the film. And anybody that watched it would notice that there's dust and they would know it wasn't done with a video camera and the jig would be up. And then so I sent them a document from NASA from 1969. And that was when the Apollo moon landing allegedly took place. And it's titled Clean Room Technology. And it was all about how NASA developed clean room technology. It's like the same technology they used to make microchips and stuff like that where no dust gets on anything. And they were specifically designed and use it for film. To keep dust off film. Interestingly enough. And he totally... The, the film expert guy totally ignored it. So I said, well, I don't know. I'll have a little more fun with this guy. And I sent him the nuke thing. And I said, yeah, you know, you have all these years experience. You care to take a stab at this? Like, how does how does multiple frames stay the same while... You know, the explosion is still clearly in motion and, like, it sure as hell ain't going to freeze in one place. An explosion, any part of it's not going to do that. How, how, how does that happen? I mean, do you have any idea at all? And he totally ignored that. Never, never got a response. And nobody wants to touch it. Nobody wants to... Nobody that comments wants to deal with that issue at all and they don't even want to even in entertain it they don't even want to do anything except for tell me how i'm crazy for suggesting such a thing but you know there it is something that's impossible and it's right there taken right from that documentary that you, anybody can go pick up and watch and anybody could probably track down that source footage that was taken from because an anomaly like that wasn't put in in a post-production situation like that. That's that's the way it is. And that's the way it was presented to the people when it was first shown. And that is clearly fake. No way around it. There's just no way that part of an explosion is going to stay static while the rest of it's in motion. It's just not possible. And if anybody has an explanation, I would sure like to hear it. Because I, I have no clue how that could possibly happen unless you're talking about something that's fabricated then it makes sense that's the occam's razor explanation that's the easiest explanation to understand is that it's fake and then it came out of a hollywood studio i mean what, what i mean what do you want uh ed is calling in so i'm going to unmute him in the interest of Hearing Ed. Ed, you there? I'm here. Hey, what's going on? Not much. What's going on with you? I hear, I hear what you talk about there. Are you in your uh, fallout shelter right now? No, not yet. I haven't I haven't created one yet. 
Have you ever thought about having do, one? I got to do that. That's on my list. That's on my, my long term list. How, how old are you, Ed? If you don't mind me asking. Uh, sixty-two, I think. Oh, okay. So you were around all during the Cold War and all during the nuke bomb scare and all that. So you understand no. it all full well. You, you did you ever? Did you ever have to dive under your desk during the uh, nuke drills and all that at school? You remember doing uh, that? I, we went through drills, out, but they but what they did is they took us out in the hall. That that was the drill. We go out in the hall and put our head against the down on the floor down against the lockers. I think is how they did it. Do you remember being kind of worried about the whole nuke thing or? Or yeah, you kind of blew it off. When, when you, are you talking about? Are you talking about the the Cuban crisis scare? Yeah, Cuban missile crisis, and then um, you know there's the whole general you know red scare or the red threat or yeah, the nuke, nukes yeah. are going to get us. Yeah, when I was a kid, you know, my my parents were that you know they listened to the news like it was the absolute truth all the time, and and they was um, they you know put put the fear of God in us because they were so scared about it, yeah. I remember going through that. It was kind of a crazy time, you know, but, you know, it was kind of like, to me, it was kind of like uh, fantasy in a way, you know, as a kid. I just, you know, did, I really wasn't, I don't think I was really scared, not really, I mean, because I didn't really understand it that well. You know, I was too young, man. Yeah. Yeah, you just didn't understand the whole concept of it and what they were even talking yeah, about. Yeah, I just knew that they were scared to death about it. You know, they were freaked out over it, and they thought that, you know, the worst was going to happen and all that stuff. They were, because they were listening to all the phony baloney stuff that was going on in the, in the news, and you know how the news is. Yeah. I think it was just as screwed up then as it is now. Probably worse then as it is now. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure it kept people uh, in a perpetual state of unease, thinking yep. that, um, yeah. But you know, I, I, you know, I kind of, like I said, it's kind of, it was kind of like a fantasy to me, and I really didn't think it would ever happen. I couldn't believe that it would happen because, you know, all of the, all of the life that I had, I don't remember what age I was then, but. Uh, uh, you know, the, the years I lived, I remember everything being peaceful and all that stuff. And I just couldn't hardly believe that anything like that could possibly happen in America, you know. So, anyway, that's that's how that's how uh, people were, uh, I guess, kind of naive. I mean, super naive then. Most people were super naive back then, yeah, believing yeah. all kinds of things that, you know, Freedom would always be here, and you wouldn't have to do anything but just live in it, and you know, not maintain it or anything like that. You don't have to worry about that. You just uh, it's always going to be here because you know our framers did such a good job of, of setting it up for us. That's kind of the way they looked at it. And yeah. uh, my dad was in the he was in the World War Two though. I will say this: he was in World War Two, and he um, he knew a little bit more than the average person about. Uh, what it meant to maintain freedom in a nation and that kind of thing, but uh, 
my mom my mom didn't know anything about it. She was just a uh, kind of a country hick from Mississippi. She was she she grew up on a farm. Uh huh. So she really didn't know a lot about you know anything like that. The whole Cuban Missile Crisis scared the shit out of her, huh? Oh yeah, just about anything scared her. She was a worry wart, man. I'm telling you, she yeah. she she worried more about things than than you would. I mean, things that could happen. You know, it's possible that it can happen, but the odds were way against it. Uh, like uh, being hit by lightning and uh, tornadoes and all that kind of stuff. She was definitely afraid of all that stuff. You know. Yeah, sounds like uh, members of my family. Yeah. Yeah, I, mean, I hear super you. Super worry wart. I mean, they were. Su- she was a super worry wart. Yeah, I have that runs in my family too. Like uh, my mom, my grand, my not maybe not so much my grandma, but I know my, I remember my great grandmother. I mean, she was like, I mean, she had some serious paranoia issues. Like one one story, like I've told that. Uh, like my grandpa, he liked to play jokes once in a while, and uh, and my you know my my great grandpa, like he that was his that was her uh, that was that was his um, uh, grandmother through marriage. Like, but he uh, she one time she called the police because there were some men doing some construction work out kind of near her house up in up up by the street, like digging a trench. And she mm-hmm. worked herself up into a lather and got freaked out and called the cops. Like like yeah, and it was just it was just construction workers out there and she thought they were up to something. Yeah, stuff like that. So my grandpa like, yeah, he's gonna he's gonna play like a prank. So I, I think he dressed up in like uh this like one of her gowns or something like that and he looked really he said he looked really bizarre, because I mean you have to know how my grandpa looked to know how completely ridiculous he would look in a gown or something, and then he like yeah. I think it was on Halloween and he 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 knocked on the door and then my great my great grandma she opened the door and said she just about had a heart attack I mean she lost it she was screaming at the top of her lungs and freaking out like. uh yeah, and yeah, so I know what you mean about, and this stuff scares people, you know, that's in the news. I mean, it terrifies people. And then if you got people that are already kind of unhinged a little bit, it's like, golly, man, it's just a constant adrenaline pump turning on the news or picking up a newspaper. Yeah. Well, I mean, it the the. Ones who want to control everything in the world, you know, uh, use that technique very well, and it works on at least the majority of the people. Anyway, all the time that keep them in a keep them keep them off guard, keep them off balance, keep them in turmoil, in pure chaos continually, and they don't know where they are, and they and they're continually in fear. And I think that's probably what may be a part of uh, my folks. You know, they went through some of that. My dad went through the, the Depression. And my mother, was she was on a farm, she said that she told me, this was interesting, she told me, she said she didn't even know there was, it was a Depression. 
she said, I, I lived yeah. on a farm. We had everything. We were self, we were self-contained on the farm. And my dad, on the other hand, lived in, uh, Dallas, Texas and, uh, with his mother and father. His father was a doctor. He was actually a naturopath, uh, half naturopath. Well, I guess you could, you could call him a DO. He was half doctor and half naturopath and, and, uh, he was always on the road and he was a, he was a drunk. And he would come home, you know, maybe once a month uh, to bring some money home, but it never lasted long enough, my dad said. And uh, so he went through quite a bit of hell. He said he hated, he hated to admit it to me, but he said I, many times I had to go uh, to the dumpster to try to find food for me and my mother to, to live on because it was so bad back then. And so, you know, all those things that are created by the elite, uh, tend to continually cause people to fear, and it, it and every time you become fearful, you become weak, weakened, and yeah. that's what they do it for. That's the whole reason for it. That's what's behind it. Yeah, they say fear is the mind killer. Uh, I believe that definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the will it, it kills your will too. I mean, you it's it, you know it kills it's a sight. With some people, it kills their will to the point where they don't even want to live anymore and go out to commit suicide. So, you know, uh, we see that going on today in our society here in America, which really, if you think about it, uh, it doesn't even make sense. We're a free, the freest country in the world, but yet you got people not having, I mean, losing their complete will and wanting to go out and commit suicide. And you wonder, how in the heck can that happen in a, in a country that has the most freedom? of any nation in the world, how could that possibly happen, you know? Well, it can happen because the things that are going on in our society that the elite are creating to make uh, people stay downtrodden, that's what it's all about, to keep you down and to keep you from being competition to them so that they can control the masses, uh, causes all that, so... Pretty bad, you know. That's that's what people in in our nation really need to do. They need to forget about fear. You know, uh, Roosevelt said one time. Not that I'm a uh, staunch advocate of Roosevelt, because because I, I think he was a communist uh, infiltrator in our mm-hmm. country, and he did a lot of things that he shouldn't have done to this country. But he did say in one of his speeches, and I don't remember which one it was. He said. We have nothing but fear. I mean, we have nothing to fear but fear itself. And he's right. That's that's absolutely correct. You know, we yeah. should fear fear. And him and his people saw to it that there was plenty of fear to go around. Yeah, yeah. That's what's the odd part about it. He said mm-hmm. that. Then he turns around and, and puts institutes more fear into the society. Yeah. Uh, and, you know... Uh, that's the that's the ruse. It's it's make people believe that you're a good guy and you're doing something to their for their best interest, but yet don't, you don't really pay attention to really the reasoning behind why the why they do what they do. If because if you did, you would see that they were not a good guy. That they were actually doing something to harm you rather than to help you. But that's not the work. You know, it's the uh, double speak or double act thing. Yeah, yeah. The 
the protector is the uh, is the boogeyman. Is they play both roles. And, yeah, uh, it's like yeah. the story. It's like the story of um, of uh, Little Red Riding Hood. That's what it is. You know, that's what Little Red Riding Hood was all about. That's why they created Little Red Riding Hood was to teach the kids. You know, back then when it was created, you know that there's always a wolf out there, and and they clothe themselves uh, like lambs to make you think that they're good people and they're not. Yeah, and that's what that one was all about. Yeah, that makes sense. Never thought about that. Yeah. yeah. All of the, all of, did you know that all of, if you go back and look the history, read the history on it, and I haven't done complete uh, research on it, but one guy did, and I heard him talk about it, and he said that all of the lullabies and, and all the, what do you call them? I forgot what you call them. All the uh, things like Little Red Riding Hood. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah were all created to help the children remember the law and remember what was right and wrong and all that stuff. It was not created, like most people think, to pacify the children or to put them into a fantasy world. It wasn't all it wasn't about that. It was about it was something to teach them something by using something extraordinary so that they would remember it. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. what that was all about. And people don't know that, but it's true. I mean, all of those those things, if you look at each one of them individually, you will understand that those were created to to teach principles, uh, yeah. good principles to the children. Yeah, probably also how to be obedient to authority. I'm sure that's a theme that's pushed and presented there and a lot of that stuff, you know. Um, you definitely yeah, I mean, see some, it now. In some respects, it was. But see, that's the problem, though. Is it is is not knowing who is who is the authority that you should uphold. You know, which ones are you supposed to uphold? And that's the problem. Is that the ones who? Uh, it's like the old saying: if you can't beat them, you join them. That's what they've done. If you can't beat a beat something good, well, then we'll just infiltrate it and turn it to our agenda which is bad, and we'll run all the good people off. That's, that's the bad thing about it. You know, when we have organizations that are created that are for good, you know, like the Red Cross and all the things that are good, Salvation Army, that were really created for real good purposes, those who, are, uh, those who have evil intent will wait. They'll sit back and wait until they're very successful, and then they'll start infiltrating them, because now it's become profitable for them to do so, and then they turn everything around from the from the good intent to the evil intent, and it's no good anymore. And so that's what they they've always done that. And uh, so we those are things you have to teach your children that those things happen. And you know what's bad about it is when these bad people come in to these organizations, all the good people that are there will, instead of trying to route them out, they'll just leave and turn the thing over to them. And mm-hmm. that's not a good thing. You know, the good people should stay there and route out those evil ones that try to infiltrate and take over uh, a good uh, an organization with good intent. But it doesn't happen that way. Good people just, you know, it's so abhorrent to them 
they'll just up and pick up their stuff and leave and, and, and turn it over to them. And now they bring in more of their buddies to replace the good people until it's mm-hmm. all evil again. And, I mean, it's all e- it turns to all evil, and now it's not, it has not, none of the original intent uh, with it. It just has the name, that's all. And that's all they care about because it had a good uh, reputation, see? It had a real good reputation when, when the good people were there, and it still does because it's the Red Cross, right? Yeah. See? Yeah. So they can do their dirty work and do whatever they want to because there's, they're, they're hiding behind that uh, symbol that to most people would be something good. Mm-hmm. So that's how they yeah. do it. That's how they've always yeah. done it to every organization. Yeah, they may start out one way and then slowly transform into a. Yeah, that uh, seems to. Yeah, I talk about that with. Um, yeah, especially like you know these different corporations and they provide a product, but then you know as as they get bigger, they get uh, more subscribers or more people using the service. Then they're then they start ratcheting up the fees. They start uh, making it making it harder for people that are you know that are already kind of invested into it, you know. And, right, and then power goes to their head. See the the ones who operate at the top as they get bigger and more powerful. That power goes to their head, and it and that's not good. Men should not have that type of power and influence in the world. It shouldn't be that way. As a matter of fact, corporations, uh, uh, I don't know how far back, you know, the founders of this country actually uh, were against monopoly. And mm-hmm. they and, and so the laws that were passed in the states, <clears throat> if you go back and read some of them, I've got a copy of one of them. Uh, but it's, no, it's not a copy of a law. It's a copy of an article written about the laws of the states. But the original laws of the states actually would not allow corporations to exist uh, any longer than 15 years. After 15 years, they had to sell off, the, sell off all their assets and completely um, uh, take down the corporation completely and disband. And if they wanted to start another corporation, they could, but they couldn't. They couldn't uh, run the same corporation for any longer than fifteen years, and and that's what kept monopoly from occurring uh, during that time. That was the law of the land. But uh, the attorneys, of course, uh, have set up this limited, limited. I mean, unlimited life and limited liability. Uh, set up for the corporations, and when they did that, that's what created um, uh, the, all the monopolies we have, which is really what's destroying America, because uh, corporate-run nations are nothing but fascist nations. That's what fascism is. It's corporate-run. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, so we need to go back to those days when the corporation could no longer... Uh, could no longer operate longer than 15 years and be disbanded. And uh, that would stop a lot of this. And it would also help free enterprise because Law and Paul could now be able to afford to go into business and make a profit 
off of their product. Today, Ma and Pa goes into business, and the corporations, even though they're big and huge and all that, they can beat you on the price. So you, you can't afford, a Ma and Pa can no longer afford to have business because the corporations are uh, always um, outprice them. So that's the problem in America today. We That's one, one of the big problems that's plaguing our country. And, of course, all the corporations, then also the, the big major corporations, which somebody said that there's only, a, there's only actually, in truth, there's only 75 real corporations that, that are the, the big corporations, and the rest of them are somehow networked with those 75. And uh, and they're all networked together, so they're all working as one big machine to to uh, create the problems in this nation. Yeah. So, you know, that, that stuff, that's got to stop or else, you know, this nation is really in trouble, I'm telling you, because they don't care about people. We know that. They care about nothing but money, bottom line, for their stockholders and... So I, I think it's really... more than money, though, right? I mean, it's more than money because this is Damon, by the way. Uh, it's hey, more Damon. than money because they're pushing uh, agendas, and they do. Yeah. Actually, they do care about people because they may not care about end users, but they definitely care about people who maybe are on their secret board of directors or even their outspoken or the public board of directors. At least they pay homage to public board of directors. But well, well, they care about them only to the point uh, that they're willing to play the game. But if you don't want to play the game anymore, watch out because you're fixing to get cut loose. <laughs> well, yeah, they don't they, care they about definitely it. serve interests and agendas. But I think it's yeah, they don't care about humanity. They don't care about your humanity. You know, they care about whether you play the game or not. And as long as you're playing the game, yeah, they'll be nice to you. They'll go out to golf with you, and they'll do all kinds of things, help you and everything else. But it's not its not because they care about humanity. It's because they care about what they're doing and their bottom line. And as long as everything's running smooth, you know, got that engine running smooth and, and all, and everybody's playing the game, it's fine. You know, everybody works together, but it's well, not I the humanity that they care about. Yeah, I mean, I think they're all working, though, towards different philosophies. Like some some corporations are changing culture through technology. Some corporations are changing culture by breaking down the family more. Uh, some culture rate it, – it just depends on whatever – kind of like whatever field they're in. They're kind of specialized in a certain – pushing certain agendas. I mean, it, Yeah, it, they do. They do because, see, the ones who are at the very top of the pyramid uh, – will will fund people who get into a uh, endeavor that helps to push their agenda. They'll fund you, and you'll be able to go and get grants, and you'll be able to do this, and you'll be able to get money to do what you're doing, and you'll have all kinds of help to do whatever that is. But if you try to go and do something to really help society and to try to make things better, that you you'll have a hell of a time getting funded by anybody. It'll be you'll it'll almost be impossible to get any money. Well, yeah, the only money you're going to get is on your own. That's it, it. It depends on what your philosophy though is and how it patronizes the people who either a want your 
organization to succeed or be one to fail. Because your philosophy well, has to be tied back into some type of uh, Masonic, you know, I'm just throwing some names out there, Masonic Jewish uh, religious right. concepts that, that help with herd management. So if right. Well, if we were smart, if we were smart, here's what we would do. We would play the same game they played to get where they are. And what I mean by that is, you know, go by the same philosophy. Is if you can't beat them, join them. Now, as far as your underlying agenda is concerned, your underlying agenda is is to do good. But you might have to, for a time, play their game. And but at the same time, while you're playing their game, using the money that you're going to be making and stuff. Uh, you can be secretly helping to put America back on track, you know, secretly, so that they don't find out about it. You know, we may have to play those games because they're so powerful now. You know, they can put you, if you're, if you've set up a good organization of some kind to try to help somebody, they can put you out of business right now. I mean, it's, it's just, it's real simple for them to do it, you know, and if they can't do it, uh, through the courts and, through their agencies and all that, that's that's enough right there. Is their agencies? All they got to do is stick all the agencies on you, and then put you right out of business right now. And well, it, uh, depends on, it depends on what you mean by back on track, though. Too. I mean, I mean, well, no government. Well, no I mean, like like put, you know, putting back honest honest money, putting uh, helping the families, you know, to stay stay together and all that kind of stuff. The things that's necessary for our nation to function smoothly and properly and, and well and become prosperous. See that's the that's the thing. Like like what, what Hitler was trying to do with Germany. That's what Hitler was doing. He, and look what happened to him. He was trying to reestablish morality and right in Germany and yeah, through government. the whole world <laughs> the whole world came against him and started destroying him and they did in fact destroy him. Well, yeah, but so, trying to do that through government. I mean, give me a break, man. Government, yeah. it doesn't work. Well, it, well, not necessarily. It wasn't just through government. He was, he was protecting against these evil ones. He was using government, putting the foreign houses out of business, putting the the, the bordellos away, and all those things that he was doing. He was using his his men to do that. Yes, he was putting them out of business, but he was letting the people. He was setting up programs for the people to go back to work and to fix the money system because the Jews had destroyed, you know, Germany through through their usury and everything in the money system. And he was he was trying to reestablish all that. And for a long time, Germany was doing well, and the people loved him to death. I mean, all you got to do is look at any of the the uh, films. Of when he was around speaking or going down the street or whatever, and you didn't see anybody throwing apples at him or or booing him or anything. Everybody loved him to death because he was actually helping Germany to come out of the depression that was going on then. And uh, you're still going to have helping them. You're still going to have serious inefficiencies, waste, fraud, abuse. You're still going to have all that, <laughs> whether. Hitler's running your government, or, or uh, you know John Kerry, or whoever. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's still 
getting back on track and saying that you need statism to do that is, uh, I mean, to me, that's laughable. Well, yeah, and I yeah. agree with that. I agree with you. And I think it shouldn't be that way. But, but look, if you look at any society, most of the time, like today, our society is in such a mess, you don't see millions of people trying to change it. You see handfuls of people like us that are trying to change anything. And not to say that we're not powerful because each individual is extremely powerful if they really realize what they, what, within themselves, they can do a lot of things. One, one individual has a lot of power. And, um, so actually, truth of the matter is, one individual can change the whole world. That, that, that's the fact. And you can look into history and you've seen people that in history have changed the whole world. Okay? And so you can do that. But you don't see millions of people willing to, I mean, they're, they're willing to live a, a horrible life, you know, uh, from paycheck to paycheck, and their children are not being educated properly, they're having problems in their marriage, and they're willing to just continue that and not try to figure out what the hell is wrong, what can I do to fix all these problems. No, they don't do that. They well, just think, continue in that same vein. I, th- I think... Kind of where you're going with that is that you're saying you need to align yourself with more natural things, and, and I would say you need to disassociate from authoritarian structures and align yourself with nature. I mean, because mm-hmm. if you look at nature, things happen like uh, you know you see weeds growing through concrete. Is anybody? I mean, I've seen that before, like where a weed actually is growing through concrete. Uh, right. You see how water can push around rock with these huge boulders. With just a little bit of water, water picks up vehicles all the time, pushes them downstream. They're super heavy, and it's like you know a couple inches of water. You know how does that translate into reality? Being aligned with nature, well, it's 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 natural to care about your family and your friends, and and try to you know do them right, like you want to be treated. So, you know, those are the kind of things that we have to get back to the basics of of just treating one another with respect and. Well, the big question, here's the big question, is how that, how can you make a large amount of people in a nation, uh, how can you give them the incentive to want to do things to make their nation prosperous? How do you do that? Well, who I don't know. That? But I don't know how you do that. But you're threatening them with force. The of the nation is, is so important. Like, why is that so important? Why is a nation so important? <laughs> Like if you if you're not even taking, but no, it's, it's extremely important. It's extremely important if you understand what a nation is. Well, what is a nation? Well, have you ever looked at the definition of it? Uh, no, that's that's kind of why I was asking. I mean, I'm curious. Uh, I, okay. I don't know what that means, really. I mean, had, okay. Well, well, a, a nation. Do we have a real nation in existence today? No, no. Does our anybody? Nation has been our nation's been. No, does anybody, does anybody? Have a real nation? Yeah, anybody in the world right now? Do they have? Well, a I would say the one that has the closest to the to a proper nation by definition is probably Israel. Uh, but but America used to have its own. I mean, it had its own. I mean, it, it was created as a nation, and uh, a nation by definition is. What nobody really understands, but it's it it means it means one people. It's really basically what it means: one people, 
like the Declaration of Independence said, one people who have the same characteristics, the same language, the same inheritance, or same inheritance, I mean, and so on and so forth. In other words, some, some, and it's actually what it means is race. It's what it means. It means like Chinamen, uh, uh, Mexicans, whites. If, if you, uh, if you're going to have a, a, a proper nation, a true nation, according to definition, and this is original, by the way, if you'll go to, to, uh, Webster's 1828 dictionary and read what he says a nation is, he tells you what a true nation is, the way it used to be. However, most nations of the world have allowed other people to live with them that don't have the same inheritance, same language, and so on and so forth. See, language is not as important, though. Let me, let me put it this way. You know, America was actually created originally uh, for the Anglo-Saxon, okay? It was an Anglo-Saxon nation, okay? Well, I think I, think uh, I would argue with that. It was more created as a Masonic, as a place for masonry to grow up. I mean, because they they basically created a, and whether it was a white white Masonic nation or whatever, it was definitely built for the confines and for the boundaries and and building of the masonry matrix that we live in, basically. Because masons were being thrown out all over the all over these other nations, governments, states were figuring out how these masons were going in and taking over their governments, and allegedly there there was a schism in masonry, and that's how they came here. They tried to do it in France, allegedly. I don't know all this for fact. I wasn't there, but you know, um, I, I'm not trying to argue with you. I'm just saying that I think it was built for more of a masonry construct than it was. Uh, than just saying, oh, we're going to build a nation for a bunch of white people, and all these British. Uh, rich people came over and said, "Oh, we're going to build a good nation for good white people." I, I don't. I mean, that's, don't you think that's a little naive to say that? I mean, you sound you sound like you're really smart. I'm not trying to argue with you, but I mean, that sounds naive to me because masonry was so heavily involved in the construction of this nation and black nobility from uh, Britain and even Germany. Um, you know that that I'm just throwing that out there that I think that that is more of why this nation was built. It was built with the unification of masonry within this nation to grow up and come about as the mo one of the most powerful ruling forces in the world. I mean, I would definitely like people to argue with me on that because, I mean, I don't know that for a fact, but that's my thought on it anyway. But anyway, you keep, keep going with your point. You were saying that you thought this nation was built for white people uh, can I chime in there? Sure. Yeah, no, I, I just want to chime in and say, you know, when you start talking, I mean, like, that's like an obscure, like, like I don't doubt that that's true about the Masons, but, you know, for, you know, if it was me, for me to be able to comment on that, I, I would have to know a lot of history. You know, it's like, oh, you know, like, I, I don't, you know, like, it's a legitimate history, but it's like a, it's like a specific history that if, if you know, if I hadn't really studied it, it's it's hard it's hard to comment on, so I just want to make that point. Yeah, I mean, uh, who was that talking? The guy's name? Oh, I know that was Paul, but the other guy before that, Ed. Ed, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, Ed, you're you're presuming, I think, that like when they fashioned the Constitution and 
uh, all these, um, like the revolution. I mean, you're you're making an assumption there that like all of that was primarily to build this great capitalistic, primarily white European construct. And all I'm saying is that I think that it was a lot deeper than that. Yeah, perhaps that was one of the the things, one of the outcomes that came out of it. Absolutely, but. Um, you know, I didn't mean to cut you off. It sounds like you went silent, so, uh, but you can go ahead. Well, I just want to say something about, um, you know, if uh, the whole concept of, you know, this thing called government and, you know, where, where you have a situation where you have people designated as government, and then they're able to do uh, things that um, the the so-called average citizen is not permissible for them. Like they can do things like um, ostensibly for good, like you know, well, we're gonna we're gonna collect taxes to build roads, or we're gonna do this, that, or the other thing, or we're gonna uh, build a so-called national defense and send people off to war. I mean, that stuff was going on since the so-called. Uh, uh, you know, founding of the nation, or whatever you want to call it. That, that, all that kind of stuff was going on, and also you have a situation where these people designated as government can, you know, extract taxes out of you, uh, and if you don't pay, they they're going to use threats of violence, or not not necessarily threats of violence, but they will use violence against you, and um, you know, it's 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 not ever going to be. Uh, a workable situation for a lot of people when you have that when you have that premise to go off of like okay you know we have these people we designate them we designate them as government and they get to do all kinds of stuff that the average person is not permitted to do and then um like when you have a situation where um let's say uh like there's a story there's a story about a, a woman was taken to jail on drug charges and the jailers tortured her by sp- spraying mace up her vagina you know and then they get to the the jailers get to keep their jobs according to the internal whatever investigation even if they did an investigation they did whatever they thought they said well that's not a big deal so basically they could take you in jail and torture you and that's okay. And then, you know, whatever, you know, uh, punishment or anything to be to those meted out to those jailers, that's up to the system itself to police their own people. So how are you ever going to have anything remotely fair or just based on a system like that? You can't. You, you can't have people designated as government. And give them these special sanctions and stuff where they they are in charge of policing themselves, which is absurd. And then um, giving them special rights to go around and f- forcibly extract money from you and use force of violence and imprisonment if you don't comply with not only that, but a bunch of other long list of bullshit laws and rules they want to come up with. Um, you know, and then that... that that's been here since the foundation of the country that, to one form or another. I mean, you could go back and find these kind of abuses and this stuff, but it's all done in the name of government. And it's all done because we have this um, delusion or this, you know, uh, 
where we take these people and we give them this special designation, and then they're allowed to do all kinds of stuff that that the average person can't do, and it's just ridiculous. I mean, you'll never have anything fair based on that premise. And then it's and then it's supposedly based on this contract that was drafted up by um, you know handful of people and then it's binding on every generation sub- subsequently it's it's nonsense like none of it makes any real sense it doesn't it doesn't hold up to logic it doesn't hold up to reason i mean there is no basis in it other than like um you know if you want to go to court and you want to press the issue of like okay where do you get this authority exactly you know show me evidence of your jurisdiction in this matter and show me where you know evidentiary. I want I want facts to prove that uh, something that gives you this authority over me and makes me subject to um, all these countless laws, codes, ordinances, the Constitution itself, and all that. What is it? What is it based on? And if you press them on that, they're not going to give you an answer because they don't have an answer. They don't have anything that it's based on. So it's it's really um, it's it's what it what it's tantamount to is a belief system, and the the fundamental problem with that particular belief system is that people believe that there you can have this special class or this special group of people designated as government, and they're in charge of policing themselves, which is ridiculous, and they're in charge of um, of all this authority and power that nobody else has. And um, to expect that that not would go to the for that not to go to their heads is another ridiculous thing. Obviously, it's going to go to someone's head if they can go out there and commit these you know uh, immoral acts against people, and it's they're designated legal. Like they can go pick somebody up off the street um, uh, for having a bag of marijuana, like I was talking about earlier. And throw them in a cage, keep them from their family, break their family up, um, drag out long, long extended uh, trials and courts, and and keep them in prison for years uh, over over something that sh- should, in any reasonable um, uh, human form society, would be totally um, uh, just not not possible. But in this system, it's possible. But you know, it all stems off the premise, though, that, you know, we have a government. Now, you know, it's like the government keeps, obviously, by every year, it keeps expanding and getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And then more and more people are designated as government. Now we got all these new departments and these new branches and all this stuff like that. And it continues to expand itself. It continues to grow. It continues to put out hoaxed, uh, fake news events because, you know, the same people that run the show there, run the news, media, and all that stuff. So we have all this con- concentrated, centralized power, and everybody acquiesces to it. And um, it's, But, you know, it all stems out of that one false premise, is this concept or this delusion of government. That's where it all comes from. It all, it all has its roots in that. It all has its roots in the so-called... Uh, uh, a declaration of independence the so-called constitution it all has its roots there it's like once everybody uh went along with that it's like well you just open the door for all manner of injustices of of 
people having this undue authority over you. You have to do what they say because it's the Constitution, it's the law of the land. And how many injustices, how many um, people are rotting in prison right now because of this uh, fiction, this fantasy, uh, this this dusty piece of parchment paper that um, nobody signed off on, that's supposed to rule over all of us, that's supposedly sitting in some glass case somewhere in Washington, D.C., it's, it's, a, it's a false belief. It's a dangerous belief. It's the most dangerous belief system, the most treacherous belief system, the most fanatical, the most pervasive. It's like everybody believes it, and it's... it's, it's uh, invalid it has no basis in anything other than this belief in authority that has no basis it has no basis in but anything. hey what you have to go back to I, I know i got cut off all ago i don't know where i got cut off but what you got to go back to is listen to what the framers there's two two of the framers that made statements well i don't know which one made this statement but one of them said that we will uh, no longer look to man uh, to rule, but we are going to chain him down by the change of the constitutions, meaning the law. In other words, no one would be sovereign anymore in the land, in this land, there would be people that would have inheritance in the soil, the people that the nation was created for, but, but they're not going to have the say, like dictator, over what happened. The law itself will say what happens, okay? And well, who, who enforces the law? Who's going to enforce the law? I well, mean, the people, the, people, the people who own the nation were supposed to keep their government officials or government servants in check all the time to make sure that they were doing things according to the way it was supposed to be, though, according to law. I mean, isn't it isn't it more practical and easy for people just to run to run their own damn business, and so they're not have to constantly be constantly yeah, vigilant okay. over it's these okay. people that live yeah. these people live three thousand miles away from me. How am I supposed to keep tabs on them? I mean, they're all the way no, to fucking Washington D.C. You work at home. You work at home. You work at home. If if every person in this nation. How am I supposed to get answers about what's going on in Washington D.C.? I I can't I, I can't you see what's going on. You there. do that at home. You do that at home. You work at home. If you work with your own home government, how, how are you supposed to work? Out, how are you supposed to work with that when you're busy working your ass off uh, forty sixty hours a week? You, well, people don't even have time to fucking breathe. That's the problem. Well, see that. So you gotta you gotta work a full time job and run the fucking government too, you know, to keep well, on top no, of these people so they don't cheat you and rob you. That's no, that's totally no, see, impractical. That wouldn't have happened. That wouldn't have happened. Listen to me. If if we had in this nation today, if we had an honest money system, mm -hmm. okay, like they had in the, in the early days, if we had that same honest money system. You could work two or three days a week and take care of a, a family of 23 and not have to work so hard. See? I don't, I don't, I don't think we have an honest, honest money system. Huh? When did we have an honest money system? Yeah, that's what in I was talking In the beginning. The, the coin, in the beginning, the the coin and jack of 1792 created a mint. Wait, wait, wait. But, but, see, but see, the... 
the Rothschilds had a hand in funding the country into existence, so that wasn't an honest money system well, either. How do you know that? How do you know that? Because the Rothschilds gave... You have to look into the history of how Benjamin Franklin is connected with that as well. So he he was a triple agent. Well, it doesn't really matter, because what they, if you look at the law itself, the law... Remember what Benjamin Franklin told the lady? It, what, right after they got up to the convention, and the lady asked Benjamin Franklin, Sir, what type of government did you set up for us? And he said, we set up... Yeah, he said, he said, he said get you. the republic if you can keep it. Yeah. And that was the important thing. If you look at the treaty of, if you look at the treaty of 1783, back, you know, when they had the Revolutionary War, uh, England was funding both sides of the war. Um, after that was over, they owed they owed a shit ton of money to England. England signed a contract in 1783, uh, for the Treaty of Paris or whatever it's called, that it lists in there that the the King George is the 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 main controlling shareholder of the corporation of the United States and he owns it. He owned it back then from the inception. That's 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 how all this shit works. It's such a subterfuge. Well, it's that's it's not, not that's not how it happened when the colonists were here when they first got here, the colonists it's true that the colonists were operating under a charter from the British Crown. I understand that. But every yeah. single colony, <laughs> if you look at history Every single colony uh, did things against the British Crown uh, that where they didn't agree with what the British Crown was doing with their laws and how they were they were using those same tyrannical laws against them while they were here that they were doing to them when they were in England. And so they sent their one by one. The colonists sent back their charters to the king and, and disconnected themselves from it. That's what caused the Revolutionary War, was because they decided they didn't want to be connected with the British crown anymore. And that's what happened. And if you read um, Thomas Paine's writings, uh, and The Rights of Man is a real good one, mm-hmm. you read his writings, those are some of the things that they were saying in those days, is that, look, you know, now that we have separated ourselves from our charters and so on and so forth, we, we've decided we don't want to be a part of that British crown anymore, then what we need to do is quickly, right now, we don't need to wait. It's not going to get any better. We need to right now make a complete separation, and that's what the Declaration of Independence was all about, was to... Well, I was trying, I'm trying to get people together to, because, you know, we could do this next Christmas during the down session of Congress when all, when the, all of them are out of the um, on holiday and they're drunk off their ass. We go in at a midnight session of Congress, New Year, uh, Christmas Eve, and we and we just go and present the documents that reverse the Federal Reserve Act of 1913 because that's how it was. Um, the, the that's how the legend goes is that's how it was implemented through. Through putting it in a midnight hour, uh, midnight session of Congress on Christmas Eve when nobody was around, um, we just go. We'll, we'll just go there Christmas Eve and undo it all. I'm just. I'm trying to get a couple of people, get some gas money together, and drive up there and get this thing taken care of. I don't know if you guys have ever read. I don't know if you guys have ever read the 1913 uh, uh, Banking Act. If you would read that and look at the very first part of it, the most important part is at the top. And it says that it's a public 
a number. It doesn't say it's public law. It says public number, and I forgot it's 7887 or whatever it is. And then it says that it was a House resolution. Okay, It doesn't say that it was a, a joint resolution between the House and the Senate, and, it, and, and the President never signed it into law. Okay? So it did not follow the Constitution to become law. So it was never law. Okay? And if you look up the uh, definition of um, of um, resolution, it, you'll find that a resolution is nothing but an opinion of the mm-hmm. of the uh, lawmaker. Yeah, it's a resolution. But but isn't that more proof that the Constitution is worthless anyway? If you can just <laughs> no, totally no, invalidate it, it, it with that, a resolution. No, it That's was not done by well, certain certain privileged people event. can, but no. Uh, my point being joking around about going up there and undoing it, it's like you can't do that unless you're a designated elite that has inroads into the the the, the levers of power, obviously, where they can go and say, "Yeah, we want to do this," and then and then it's done. It's just the stroke of the pen, and it's done. And it's like. Yeah, it doesn't matter whether the president signed off of it. It doesn't matter because is, isn't it true that the Federal Reserve is a private, run-for-profit corporation yes. that was uh, implemented? No, so yeah, no, so what? Yeah, what good did the Constitution do to prevent that? It did nothing. But, not a corporation. But, but, not yeah, the first bank of the United States was a private, run-for-profit institution. The second, well, yeah, bank there you United go. States was a private, run-for-profit institution. All the banks have so always is, been private, run for profit institutions. Yeah, and then so is Social Security Administration, too. Yeah, so, I mean, the Bank of England, it, it wasn't like when Nathaniel Rothschild took over the Bank of England, uh, and, and I say that facetiously because nobody takes something, anything over. He was allowed to do it uh, by the royalty. The royalty allowed him in. Uh, that didn't make it that the Bank of England was good before the Rothschilds took it over. You, you see what I'm saying? It's like it's not something that's like good one way and bad the other. It's bad taking over bad taking over bad. All the bankers yeah. did was they yeah. just made a contract with with the government. That's it. That's exactly what they did to ours too. When they came in, if you if you uh, look at some of the court cases on the Federal Reserve, you'll find that when they came in, the only purpose that they had when they came into this country in 1913 was to fund the United States government. That's it. However, if you'll remember what uh, uh, one of the bankers, I can't think of his name, one of, I don't know if it was Rothschild or Warburg, I can't remember which one, but one of them said that uh, give me the power to to, uh, to create and control the money of a nation, and I cannot who passes the laws. Their intent by that statement, their intent by that statement was to control the whole nation. In other words, they didn't, they weren't satisfied to just fund the United States government. They wanted to fund the whole nation, and they did that through the fiasco of 1933. They were able to refund all the banks in all the states because the states allowed them to do that. They crashed all of them first. And then they, they came in and said, tell you what we're going to do today, folks, only today. We're going to refund your your banks, and you're going to owe us then. See? And then they write all the rules today. So actually all the banks today in every state 
are nothing but branches of the Federal Reserve, see. And so that's what they wanted. They wanted to be able to control the whole nation. However, they had to get their foot in the door, and that's how they always get their foot in the door, by coming in and making a contract with the government to say, look, y'all are having money problems, right? And they'll say, yeah. Okay, well, we'll, we, we, we will help you with that, with our money, if you'll allow us. We'll make a contract with you, and we'll help you. That's how they get into every nation, is, is through funding the government first. And then they create the crisis in the nation to make it possible for them to then uh, fund the whole nation, see. And that means they control the whole nation. That's how they did it to America. They did it to Germany, and they did it to every other nation, same way. Oh, it was allowed to. It was obviously allowed to happen. Well, let me let me say something real quick. Okay, first of all, money is the gateway in in the first place. So it's like, yeah. Even if you even if you went back and you studied American history, um, which I've done a fairly extensive study of it, and and you studied the banking uh, prior to the quote unquote takeover, the banks were still centralized. Um, because, you see, a guy who came out to California uh, when they opened up the frontier, he wasn't using money for the most part. He, he was bartering, or let's just say the you know the, the gold rush myth and all that type of stuff. So let's say he's trading in money, and then later on, at, when when the city started to get built up, he had telegraph offices and banks and post offices come in a lot later. But see, you can't just come in the front door and say, Here, here's here's what we're going to do. We're going to give you your money system and we're going to run it. What you do is you do it incrementally through little towns. You have a little bank. It's run by a little man, you know, a little man who lives down the street from you. You trust in the whole thing. Once that system's set in place through, you know, Andy Griffith-style towns, then you're able to do what you really want to do, and that is centralize the whole thing. And, and that was the plan all along. It wasn't that mm. this this thing was honest at one time and then it got taken over. It just mm. it just couldn't have worked that way because we know how everything else is. Well, apparently, I mean, there's no doubt about that. There's no doubt about that. But see, the thing of it is, when when the bankers came in to this country and was just funding the federal government, okay? There were some cases that came down from the Supreme Court that said that uh, Congress or, or that the government had the right to do whatever they needed to do to um, get the, to, to uh, make sure that the powers that were given to them were carried out in a proper manner. And so, therefore, it was okay for the bankers to fund the United States government. Of course, there's not any uh, court cases that I know of that I'm aware of that says that they was okay for them to fund the whole nation. But because of the emergency in 1933, okay, this is what happened. This is how the bankers got in, is they made a contract with the people and said, if you guys will... Uh, accept the new deal, we will come in and fund all of your, refund all of your banks and reopen all the banks. And we promise that nothing like this will ever occur again. That's what they said. And this is what came right through Roosevelt and some of his speeches 
And uh, so... Well, that, I think that happened a long time before 1933 because the mm-hmm. entire United States was considered an enterprise. Well, they weren't funding the, sta- they weren't funding the states before 1933. They weren't funding the states. Well, the when states was... were operating as state banks. They were operating as private banks then. Well, when was the they Civil War? When was, when, was, when was the Civil War? It was like 1863, right? I mean, way before right. the Central Bank. And that was a whole shoddy deal. I mean, people what people got conscripted into the army and all that stuff. That was going on before the central bank. It was the government was the so-called government was uh well, a yeah, they were highly corrupt they entity were back then, way before the central banks uh got yeah, established or that's you know, why, Federal Reserve or whatever Lincoln you want to call it. That's why Lincoln got 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 shot was because he tried to pass he tried to uh create congressional money uh, through the mint and put out yeah, money I, at no interest. And they well, yeah, and then they, so they, they, got, got they, got a, they got a parallel story with Kennedy, and then, you know, there's all these parallels, supposedly, uh, yeah. these these wild coincidences between Kennedy and Lincoln, and I, I don't believe any of it. It's way too, way too woo-woo, way too far-fetched. You know, it, it, it speaks more to building, like, a legend or building a mythology and I think what what it's really uh, designed to do is to, um, you know, on one level, I, I think um, you like what, a lot of what you're talking about, Ed. I think you represent this to a large degree. Is that um, you know, there's there's a lot of people out there that think, oh, um, you know, well, we just need to we just need to implement a fair money system, or we just need to implement these certain reforms, and then we can get the country back and stuff like that. And that what that does it 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 props up this notion of the Constitution and the laws and all this stuff, and it and it keeps people um, falling back on that when that whole that whole thing, like I was talking about earlier, is a, is based on a faulty premise. And then if you want to even go back, if you want to step away from this even further and look at what's going on, is like the money system itself is based on a fundamentally flawed premise. I mean you. You're never going to have any kind of fair system based on money when money is, you know, you're you're separating your production and your consumption, and then you're interjecting a, a, a middleman into the equation to manage the money system itself, and then you're opening the door to all kinds of uh, it, just an endless array of scams. And then if you go back in, you know, throughout the history of the com- country, that's all you've seen is just one one scam compounding upon another compounding upon another until you come up to the modern day where money is such an abstraction you know you 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 have it on your phone and you wave it over a thing and it's not even nothing but blips on a screen it's nothing nothing or even remotely tangible and yet everybody's so conditioned to to accepting it but that's it's based on this fun, fundamentally flawed premise that can't be fixed unless you deal with the the, the flawed premise well, itself. Well, you know the you know the main reason why gold and silver was was uh, looked at as the best way for a medium of exchange. The reason why was because it was so hard to counterfeit. How are you going to counterfeit gold? 
or silver. Yeah, you but can. how do you how do you have an accounting system that's fair that tells you exactly how many, how much gold and silver is in circulation? There is no such thing. It's it's it falls back on this faulty premise that we got well, middleman. We got a middleman to take care of that for us, and we 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 implicitly trust in this middleman, which is absolutely absurd. There's no reason to like you know to have a gold a gold backed economy. You have to have an accurate accounting of which is never gets brought up. Like, how do you have an accurate accounting goal? How much, how, Ed? How much gold exists right now, and how much is available? Do you know? Um, can you well, get me to? Enough, can you get me an approximation down to like the metric ton at least? Well, do you know? I do know. All I know is what the mint claims to have. What the mint claims, uh, okay? And the and the mint, they do have a hundred. Let's see, a hundred billion dollars worth of gold and silver coinage, and, and and you uh, know that how. And you know that how? How do you know that? Okay, off of their website. If you go to their website, that's what they claim. I'm not saying I know it for that's a fact. What they claim. That's what they claim. That's exactly what I'm talking about. It's what they claim. How do you know that? You don't know it. I don't know that. We it's, no, you it's, don't know it's, we have fact. to fall back on that premise of trust well, yeah, in this bl- blind trust and authority. Yeah, you're, you're well, putting your faith in the state as an authority on that absolutely. claim, and that's absurd. Yeah, what people need to do price. is they need to go say, okay, you claim to have $100 billion worth of this gold and stuff in the mint. Let's see it. I want to see it. I want you to make an accounting to me because I don't, I don't, I want to make sure you're not lying to me. I want, I want to know that for sure that we have that kind of money. And, I, and the people have a right to know that. You have a right to know that if you're one of the, one of the, one of the people who have an inheritance in the soil of this nation. You have an absolute right to know that. And the Mint, remember, the Mint is a lawful organization. The Federal Reserve is not. They never were made lawful. And uh, the the Mint is the only thing that is. And it was made lawful in 1792. So. Well, the only thing that uh, I've ever heard about as far as an accounting system that kind of made sense was tally sticks. I mean, you could have a tally stick, which was like a, a certain uh, type of wood that had a very distinct pattern that would be very difficult to forge. And then they had, you had half a tally stick, the bank had half a tally stick, and then you could match, you could say, okay, where's my, where's the rest of my tally stick? And they'd have to show it to you. And it's like, oh, does it match up? Yeah, it matches up. And it's like, that 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 that's kind of remotely feasible, but even that's... <laughs> dubious at best but none of of this stuff works man none of none of this stuff works because you got the middleman involved and he's he's gonna he's you're you're trusting in authority you're you're back to blind faith and authority and that's like that's never gonna work do you you understand how that gold and silver got into circulation in this country and originally do you know how that worked how it got into circulation Yes. How did the money get into circulation? Do you know how that worked? Well, I, I I really don't know, but it's I I I understand that it's based on a false premise. I do know that. No, no, it wasn't. If if you understand how it works, and and the man that was talking a while ago about the gold rush in California, that gives you a clue right there. What happened was a person. Uh, would go and dig the gold and silver out of the ground, right? Mm-hmm. And he would go to the mint, 
and give that bullion to the mint. And the mint would make an accounting of everything that, you know, weigh it out and everything and, and give the man a receipt. And they would put the, they would make the, the gold into coins. And he would come back and pick up his coins from the mint. And he would go spend them into society. That's how it worked. It was real simple. Wasn't well, even was complicated. Just- that was just a stepping stone to get us to where we are now. I mean, that's that's what it is. I mean, yeah, it's incrementalism, well, was like John was talking about. There was, just a, there was just a myth that created, all they did was they were there to create the the coins, see? They, they weren't there to, make, uh, well, they were there to make the money, actually. They were making money, right? They were making the money. Uh, but they were taking the gold that people would bring into them. That was their mm-hmm. job. They would they would take this month, this bullion and they would turn it into coinage and then the people would go out and and spend it into society. That's how it works. And when the and when the coins uh, Congress had the power to regulate the value, which meant when the coins when would come back and they would see that the coinage was becoming you know wore out. You know, and people would not accept it. In those days, in, in those days, when if you saw a coin that was that was the edges were all gone off of it, or it had been scraped on, or whatever, people wouldn't accept it for payment back then. And so, when that would happen, then the Congress would melt it all back down, and uh, or I guess the Mint would, mm-hmm. and the Mint would re, re- make the coins again, and. Uh, Put it back out into society. You know that's the way it worked. They had that regulation. That was they say it had the two the two jobs. That was to create the money. And okay, the so way. let's say you have that set up, and then you know it, it's it looks it looks all legit and everything. And so, um, how how do you know that the uh, that the government or whatever who's ever in charge of that accounting system and all that? It's not going to game the system, and there's like be multiple different ways to game the system and to cheat the system. I mean, because you're 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 putting it, you're putting uh, your trust in the into this this accounting system, and then um, let's say for instance, like uh, there's this influx of of gold from somewhere that's been stolen from somewhere, or it's in some archive, or it's been stashed away somewhere, and then it's then it's spent out into the system, and then it's recognized as currency, and it's basically something that was absconded somewhere else that was that doesn't represent anybody's labor, but then still, who's ever who's ever running this scam can benefit endlessly from it. You see what I'm saying? It's like it, it, you're just you open the door for uh, limitless numbers of potential scams, and then you know, of course, the people who are entrusted to put it put to make an accounting of all this gold or whatever it is that you're using as a mode of exchange, they're going to game the system. I mean, there's too much. Uh, I mean, there's too much evidence that 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 is, you know, always been the case, and that it remains the case today. And now we have it to the most ridiculous extreme you can imagine, with the derivatives and carbon credits and all this other absolute nonsense. I mean, and it's all based well, on the same premise. You can't look at the way it is today. You can't look at the way it is today 
to, as a as a guide or any kind of way to govern. Mm, yeah, I don't think it was happen. really. I don't think it was really. Totally it, I don't think it was, it was really totally ever that much different. I really don't. I don't think I mean, there's I, any I, evidence well, that it was I mean, ever. I mean, different. we didn't have we didn't have big government. We didn't have big government when when the gold and silver was was the medium of exchange. We didn't have big government. I think one of the reasons why they got so big is gaming the system, gaming the money system. That's that's how the government well, they gets so damn it. big. They gained it through the, through the banks. The, the, the bankers, they're the ones that created all the problems. They, the bankers you know? are the same. The bankers are, and the corporate heads and the bankers and all these people, they're they're all part of the same club. I mean, they, they send their agents out to represent they are, government. Yeah, they they go back yeah. into the banks. They They're all the same. They're all part of the same club. And you know, Today like uh, Carlin says, you're then. not in it. They were then. When, when how, the how do you think? How do, how do you think they? they uh, yeah, that's. But you know, it's like it, it. It the fact remains that it's 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 always been a scam, and it it will always continue to be a scam. I mean, that's that's. Uh, hey, what does the Bible say? This the love of money is the root of all evil. I mean, that's that's a fact. That's right. And no it's, it's, it, it's always going to be that, you know, so and there's no reforming the system. There's just no way that it can be reformed. Well, that's exactly what Benjamin Franklin was telling the lady. If you can keep it, he knew that it could be lost. That's what well, he, he knew. knew but, was... he said he, but, but they wanted to try a new experiment that had never been tried before. And no nation in the whole world had ever done anything like this. And, it, and you know, it's really interesting that during the time when all this occurred that the all the the doors to all the uh pirates were closed so that they could get it done so it had to be divine providence that allowed it to happen and they recognized it they said so that 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 it was divine providence for them to do what they did, and it was an experiment. No other nation in the whole world had ever set up a situation the way they had set it up in this nation. It was the first time. Yeah, the first so, order of business was to commit genocide on the uh, the inhabitants of the continent that were here originally. So, and then, you know, broke every single last treaty that they had drafted up, you know, and then um, well, there's a, there's a, systematically there's a eradicated them, driven them to the Badlands and uh, did every crooked, underhanded thing you could possibly imagine uh, to the inhabitants there's a court of the case. There's a court case to make you understand what actually went on in that time. I can't quote, I've got it on my computer. It's, it's uh, Macintosh versus... Uh, I forgot the United States government or something like that. There's a court case on that, and they explained in detail what the rules were for the Anglo-Saxon. Why he came into a country and all all the nations of the world, why they went to all all the lands and claimed the land to the exclusion of all the heathens. Okay, that mm. if if you were not Christian, you were not a Christian uh, group of people, then they, the, then the Anglo-Saxons always been Christian through the through the uh, world. I mean, that's the way it's always been. It's the way it is today. And and so they, because of that, they wanted the, the Christian religion to prevail throughout the whole world. So their rules were they had rules, and this court case tells you what the rules were that they would come into a nation or come to a land 
And if the land was inhabited by Anglo-Saxon people, Christian people, they would not be able to claim the land, that they would have to go on to find land that was not held by Anglo-Saxon people. And But they did, you notice, when they did come to this land, they didn't kick the, the natives off the land. They didn't kick them off the land. They just said, we're going to claim the land because you don't have a claim on the land. But you can stay here. It's okay for you to stay here. We'll give you part of the land to live on. And that's what they did. They didn't kick them off. You know, if you was, if you was a tyrant and you came in, uh, you'd probably take all the people off the land and bring all your buddies in, right? That's the way tyrants do. They don't, mm-hmm. they don't care about anybody. They don't care about whether you're white, black, or green, or whatever. They'll kick your butt off if you're, if you're on the land. They'll kick you completely off. But that's not what the Anglo-Saxon did. He said, and that was part of the rules, that if you find a people on the land uh, that uh, are not Christian, you're not to kick them off. You're just, you, they were there. They were already there, so they have a right to be there. And so That's you have to way of healing. Just saying that there's claims and this person doesn't have a claim. That's just well, they, they call it It's all fiction. It's all fiction. Black laws, way healing. Yeah, the whole con- the whole concept that you can go and you know own a piece of property that's that's another that's another fiction that's that that's part of the so called civilization. I mean, it really doesn't have any basis. Anything. It's it's just kind of a it, it's kind of a legal fiction. It's kind of a, a, well, that a concept from, that comes from the Genesis. That comes from the Bible. God gave Adam dominion over the earth, so he, he, he so Adam had the right to claim the the the, the land. See, that's where it comes. From. I yeah, but you know, I mean, you could claim, you can make that claim that it's biblical, but then you know, if you if you're going to you know try to gather that information from you know any kind of so-called authority especially nowadays they're they're not going to lay claim to that so i i do, i mean you can make any kind of an assertion you want what it's based on but the 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 people themselves that are uh, the bureau of land management or whatever you say what gives you the right to claim this land they're not going to quote scripture to you i guarantee you um they're well, gonna, they they're gonna, know, they're gonna they invoke, they're gonna invoke they're gonna invoke uh, something else besides. Yeah, but you know, it's like I said, you know, you could, you could make up. I mean, anybody can make up anything they want based on any kind of criteria they want. And the only thing that you know gave the the white settlers or whatever you want to call them that came over here, the only thing that um, uh, allowed them to do what they did was just through pure brute force. I mean, yeah, you don't like it. You gotta leave, and if you don't leave, we're gonna see to it that you leave. Well, and we have mus- we off. have muskets. They didn't run off. They didn't run them off. They didn't even run off the blacks. Think about that. You know, they I, I, that. well, whatever. I mean, if if I I don't know, I wasn't there, but um, yeah, I I mean, I. I, I, from what I understand, I, from talking to people who, you know, were around, like, uh, my, my buddy's, you know, he's American Indian and his grandmother has all these stories about what happened and stuff like that. Um, one thing they did, it was like they were, you know, f- absolutely forbidden to st- speak in their native tongue. I mean, that's, that's Ooh. indicative of some sort of, uh, authoritarian, uh, authoritarian rule over, you know, a certain classification of people. 
And, um, in, you know, I mean, if that, if, if you think that you're going to get a just system that is based on that sort of mentality that was present back then, uh, you're deluding yourself. You really are. I don't, I don't, um, and if you think that you're exempt because you're white, um, you're deluding yourself. I really do. I think you're, I think you're delusional. I don't, I don't think that you can expect anything but treachery from people who conduct themselves that way. If they conduct themselves that way towards uh, someone with a, a different skin tint, what makes you think they're going to be um, forthright in their dealings with you? Just because well, you're not, white? That doesn't make I'm any sure sense, time, man. I'm not sure what time period we're talking about here, but, I mean, obviously there's a trail of tears, there's a reservation system. I mean, obviously yeah. at some point, like uh, somewhere around, you know, in the middle of the 19th century, there was a, you know, definite, you know, Indian Wars, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, you know, like you seem to be talking about a, some period like, uh, you know, maybe before the Revolutionary War, you know, like when the, you know, subjects of the king came and planted a flag and said, okay, we've magnanimously claimed this land for, you know, God and Christ and, you know, whoever is going to live here is going to live here with that intent. But the way it played out was was clearly that you know the Indians were forcibly and violently removed. The, the, the ones that were on the trail of tears were Anglo-Saxon. I don't know if you know that or not, but they were Anglo-Saxon. They came from mm-hmm. Scotland. They're all Scottish. That's why the trail of tears happened because they were they they were not they were natives here. Okay, on the land they were here. They ran from the English king. When all of the um, this turmoil was going on in Scotland, and the five civilized tribes—that's all the ones that live up in Oklahoma, as a matter of fact—were, uh, and I'm from I'm from there too. I'm from the from a couple of the, well, from at least one of them. I know one of the tribes, and they were all Anglo-Saxon from Scotland. And if you look at to prove it, I mean, you can go and do the research. You'll find that that's what it says in there in their in their history. They even spoke. Uh, which is the closest to Hebrew. It's actually a break off the language of Hebrew. And they built houses. They didn't build tent teepees like the red man did. You know, there's a difference between them and the red man. And uh, and so they they chose to stay together, even though they were Anglo-Saxon and they didn't want to be, become a part of the United States. And so, actually, the United States really didn't owe them anything. They really didn't because they were white. They could have become citizens of the United States. See? But with the Red Man, if you'll look at all the treaties they made with the Red Man, they did not break the treaties with them. They still had the same land they had from the beginning. See? So are you, um, like, uh, do you believe in, what is it, white identity or Christian identity, I guess I should say? Um, do you believe in that? I believe that, yes. I believe in the in the basics basics of that. So you believe like the the original twelve tribes of Israel are represented yes. by the white Anglo Saxon Christian, and yes. they're they're like the inheritors of the the rightful the inheritors of all they survey. Right. Yeah, that's right. they were the twelve tribes, right? Yeah, yeah, I thought and, so. And all yeah. you got to do is, is do a research on your history on that. And it proves it. You don't. You don't need. It's not. Yeah. It's not a lot of people. A lot of people believe in that. A lot of people 
believe in that thing. Like, you know, uh, and then there was the concept of divine right to rule or manifest destiny and all that stuff, and that was really pumped into people's heads during the time of the... uh, of the uh, settlers and the and the colonists, you know, coming over here, yeah. they had this the, so the concept of manifest destiny. World. Like they they were the twelve tribes of Israel. World. And, See, yeah, it's all well, about civilized in the world. That's what yeah. it's all about. Is, is they knew that you know you know what um, you know what defines civilization. You know the defin- Have you read the definition of civilization? It's the the no, domestication the, the domesticated the, the domestication no. of animals and humans so it's like human beings are it, it's it, it's that's a characteristic of civilization is that you have it you know predominantly uh, domesticated humans so yeah. you know they're they're you, you don't domesticate something unless you're going to extract their um something from them like a sheep you domesticate sheep to extract their wool you domesticate turkeys to get you know, turkeys for meat, you know, you, you domesticate human beings to extract their labor and their life force. And that's, you know, what, what civilization is about. And that's, that's what we live in today. So like, if, if that is like a, a white Christian institution, then, you know, that, that's what they brought. They brought a a domesticated factory farm for human system is what they're responsible for. And that's, that's what we're living in today. That's kind of, and that's kind of like came, kind of brings the call full full circle because that's what I kind of started out talking about. Yeah, I mean that's, and then it's it's intrinsic upon. I mean the the, the one fundamental uh, construct that holds it all together is the the concept of money and the money system, and uh, that that is how so much control is wielded. Um, at the hands of you know a very small percentage of people over a large mass of people is 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 by way of money and the and the control of money so that's if 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 that's what you're saying is the uh that's the inheritance of the you know the 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 christian identity uh doctrine and yeah I don't, I don't see that as i don't i don't necessarily see that as something to be boastful about myself, but I mean, if if that is something that you lay claim to as some sort of manifest destiny or something like that, I, I, I well, who has, who has always brought who has always brought brought the Bible to all the world? Has been, there's only three races of people actually. There's there's other mixed other mixed races of people that are mixed up, but there's only really three pure races. Or uh, white, Oriental, and black. That's it. And well, so, not a Ham, Shem, and Japheth. So you saying you're from the line of Shem? No, no. They, the the other, the only ones that were All the direct line of Adam. Jacob. I mean, I'm sorry. Yeah, Ham, Shem, and Japheth from Noah after the flood. Jacob. Jacob was pure stock. And he had twelve sons through two to a handmaid and, and they all came out of Shem. Huh? They all came out of Shem, which was which was Noah's son. And so what are you saying? I'm saying Japheth and Ham are your brothers anyway, right? What what different 
What, what would, difference would it make? Yeah, all, all of them would have to be. They would all have to be. And Jacob had a brother, too, didn't he? What was his name? Esau. He's the yeah. one that messed up. He messed up his line. But they're still brothers. They're brothers, but he messed up his line and lost the lost the uh, promise. Promises. He mixed his he mixed his seed with the Canaanites. So e even what proof is there that that heredity goes all the way back to Shem? Well, no proof of that. If you look at the because, Bible, because the Bible says in the book of Deuteronomy, it says that you'll be taken back to Egypt in ships. And when have white people been taken into slavery in ships? They never been taken to. Uh, the white people have always been in slavery. I mean, look at look at America today. Aren't the white people in slavery? Yes, they no. are. No, they're no, the no, main. They're the main ones that are in slavery. Not like today. Negro slavery. They weren't. Not like Negro slavery. Oh yeah. The, and what about Egypt? No. That was really bad in Egypt, wasn't it? Absolutely. But those people were black that were in slavery in Egypt. They weren't. No, black. they were not. They were. They were. They were the Israelites, the Hebrews, and they were the white people. Well, I think that's. that's I think that's a big problem though with white identity is that they can't prove that that particular skin color is any type of elected people. If anything, I think there's more proof to prove they're actually Gentiles. But if you look at the Bible, where Solomon says he's black. And, What's the uh, definition of Gentile? Jesus says he's black. He says his hair is like wool. There's more proof that, that the Hebrews were actually people of color and not a pale-skinned, red, hairy person like Esau. Because that Esau <laughs> sounds more like a white person to me than... Okay, here's, here's what can prove it to you without even, knowing, without even reading any history about it. The Bible says that they would be scattered throughout the whole world. Okay, what of the three races, Anglo-Saxon, Black, and Asian, are scattered out throughout the whole world? It's only one group, the white. That's it. They're all over the world. Everywhere. Mm, that's not true because there's more there's more yeah, there. people of color than there are white people in the whole world. But at least at least I'll that's what they tell us. People that crap. Yeah, they are, there are today, but they're mixed in with the other people. What I'm saying is, the nations that were created throughout the whole world, were created by the Anglo-Saxon. Australia, Germany, Russia, uh, uh, Greenland, uh, Ireland, Scotland, England. I mean, come on. But again, all but again if, if the white person, here's the problem with white identity. If the white person is this, this true selective race of God, God would never allow what is happening to the so-called white man, what is happening to them today, he would never allow it to happen. Because if you look back at Israel, when they were actually in tune with God, God didn't allow EMOs and plagues and all that kind of stuff to come against them. So, allow whatever you allow, and that whatever the children allow. He, he gave you a free will to determine what you, how you're going to live. That's allowed. That's allowed. Okay, that's the music. Thank you, Kirk. All right. Thanks a lot. Uh, thanks, Damon, Ed, and Paul calling in. John was on here earlier. Um, yeah, that's an interesting concept. Uh, it's an interesting to, thing to discuss because uh, a lot of people... 
hold the beliefs that Ed holds and that uh, it is fairly prevalent in certain circles. Um, so it was a good learning experience. Appreciate that, Ed. Uh, so, yeah, man. Um, check out the hoaxbustercall.com and uh, there's some calls on there on the wall of calls check that out check out uh, call did earlier today with Dave McGowan that's cool um, Dave is a uh, really interesting guy he brought out a lot of interesting points we talked about a lot of stuff Boston bombing and uh, the Laurel Canyon and um, oh the media manipulation and coordination uh, among other things. And that was a real good, real good call there. Uh, yeah, we tried to do this on Monday night. Anybody could call in, um, say what you want to say. Whatever you want to put out there, put it out there. Talk about it, discuss it, refute it, or accept it, or whatever happens, happens. It's kind of a free-for-all at the last two-thirds of the call. Um, Yeah, who's here still? Ed, chat, Planet Chatting, Alice Salt Day, Coho Bobo, Elo Himmler, Eunuch. Happy Horseshit, Javarine, Jim in China, what's up Jim, Kehamad, Matt Chick, Mr. Five, Ozzy, Pride, My Third Eye, Nature Never Lies, Tom Bowie, and Damon Holzer. Thanks y'all for coming out, it's a good call, hopefully we can do it again next Monday. Keep it between the ditches, everybody. And we'll see you next time. I'm out. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.